That question made me so uncomfortable. I got goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. There we go. We're we're a second away from the snort. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Called it. it. Called it. Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we would greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory went 279 episodes over 12 seasons on CBS. Today we're talking about Episode 1, which was called Pilot, originally airing September 24th, 2007. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, Joe, Gordo, Ferg, and not Nick this week. What's going on, guys? Hey, oh, I'm not anticipating coitus. <laughs> Nothing about this show should anticipate coitus. No, uh, yeah, I don't know if the subject matter of this show is um, a real mood setter. No. So, um, Big Bang Theory, this was a Ferg pick, right? Yes, sir. Uh, anything in particular that made you want us to cover this one? I know exactly why he only picks shows he thinks are big enough to get good views and listens so he can rub it in our faces when we're like, I want to talk about the serial killer robot show again. No, I actually went against what I usually do because I don't think this will get the pass, but I, you know, you never know. So, you know, this will kill my undefeated streak if it doesn't. So fuck you. But I chose this. <laughs> I chose this show. I actually watched it all the way through. I enjoyed it at the time and then I grew to hate it. Um. But my main reason for picking it was the creator, Chuck Lorre. I learned the fact that one of his other main claims to fame is he wrote the theme song to Ninja Turtles. The original Ninja Turtles theme song. Oh, he wrote the theme song for that? Yep. (laughs) So I was like, I'm picking the show just to bring up that fact. So this guy is immediately in the S1E1 Hall of Fame because Mm -hmm. he created Grace Under Fire. He wrote for Roseanne. He created Bob Hart's Abishola, which we find a way to bring up. (laughs) Every episode somehow. It's going to be my next pick. This guy is a goddamn hero. I think there's a chance because we like when we did the one year anniversary, we did, we did Cavemen, which go back and listen to that if you haven't. And because we teased it so much, I feel like there's a good chance our two year anniversary show could end up being that one. Bob versus Bob versus Bob versus a different no, show. Yeah, it was, it, it, yeah, it was the unaired pilot where they just beat the <laughs> shit out of each other. <laughs> Weirdly, the network passed on that one. <laughs> yeah, it was celebrity boxing, Bob and Abishola. <laughs> Again, shut up and take my money. <laughs> I think I've only seen the pilot of that show. I watched about three episodes. Bob, Bob Hart, Abishola. I think I've seen seconds, like here and there, when it's on, but I didn't. I didn't like watch. That strikes me as a your mom show, Jay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, probably. I think it is, but not like one she's loyal to. To my knowledge, I'm not sure. Um, and just to go back to Big Bang Theory. Um, Ferg, you've watched it through for me. I don't think I've, again, like I said with the other show, I don't know if I've ever seen a full episode, but I've seen so much of it over the years because it's on so often. You couldn't escape it. It was like everywhere in pop culture. I don't think I ever sat down and watched 22 minutes straight of it. Uh, this is a Gordo's mom show. This was like <laughs> a show that's now on in syndication. I can see that too. I can see your mom watching this. Honestly, if it's on on a marathon on like TBS, my mom's all over it. 
So by proxy, have you seen a, a decent amount oh, yeah. of it? Oh yeah, I've seen a decent amount of it. I don't I don't mind the show personally. I mean we'll get into it. I don't wanna tip my hand. Yeah, and even but. well, even then, like we've gone over things before. Even when there's shows we like, sometimes the pilot doesn't do yeah. it for us and vice versa. But yeah, I mean un- I thought that the that the ending of this we'll get into it when when it happens but like it's hard for me to disconnect what i know in the later seasons from this pilot because i've seen so much see i had the opposite because they actually like are very different in this pilot than they are towards the end so i was able to disconnect just because of how different each character is no but with like when we get to the part where like howard is doing is like uh whatever the fuck that world of warcraft you know, it makes me think of like the later seasons where like he he had he's like the the mysterious name on the internet. Oh yeah, you know, like stuff like that. I've uh, I've I've never seen this one before ever. I've never seen a minute of this show. That I find shocking. Yeah, I know. I just find it shocking because it's on so much. Not so like not even because you watch so much television, but because this show is just constantly on. So and it was such a big pop culture thing for a while. It was really tough to avoid it. Yeah, but from the very beginning, this is the kind of show that I was like, there's no way I'll like this. I will go out of my way to avoid it. I will say, though, I've now seen one full episode and two minutes of it, because apparently it plays before wrestling, and I put wrestling on last night, and I watched, like, the last (laughs) two minutes of an episode, and it must have been towards the very end, because I was like, they look markedly older, and and more, they don't look like young nerds anymore, they look like dudes who were just uncomfortable or like out of place or something, you know, I'm a scientist. <laughs> and I love Johnny Galecki. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of him, but yeah, this is not a show. I think that is my demographic. And unlike a show like the league, which is also not my demographic, I still had such a good time with it. I thought it was super funny. This, I maybe laughed once or twice, but I definitely have in my notes, like a bunch of like kill me's that I've written down where I'm like, I fucking can't watch 22 more minutes of this shit. Jesus Christ. This is like, oh, look, look at the nerds. Let's laugh at them. They have interests. Like It's so, it's so by the numbers too, where I was starting, I was halfway through it and I was like, I will put $10 on the table if one of these kids doesn't get pantsed at one point during the episode, because they're going so hard <laughs> on like the quote unquote nerd tropes. And all of a sudden it's like, they come out with their pants down. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is too much for me. But to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, this is a show that kind of brought that nerd into like mainstream culture no that's the mcu no 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 this show this show 2007 i think this is before yeah because this is pre anybody really giving a shit about comic movies again still except for like the dark knight yeah i mean this is like what really brought nerd culture to mainstream culture i guess i do remember this show being like a cultural phenomenon like i i remember seeing like that bazinga shirt everywhere and I knew what it was without having seen the, sh- you know, the show itself. So yeah. is that the red shirt that looks like the Flash? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I was gonna say because that's like the calling card for the show. For- it's not a Flash shirt. No, not to be confused with the Flash shirt he often wears. Okay, there it is. Thank you. I was like, that looks like the Flash logo. So that must be why it's stylized like a Flash shirt then, probably because he wears a Flash shirt a lot. I mean, they're always wearing nerd shirts, like yeah, different. But I, f- I feel like I saw kids wearing red Flash shirts all the time once this show came out. Like that became like a. Like, uh, you know, every once in a while, something in the zeitgeist catches a T-shirt like it happened in wrestling when we were kids with like the Stone Cold Austin 316 or like thing one thing two was like a T-shirt forever or uh, vote for Pedro was an everybody has this T-shirt. This seems like an everybody has this T-shirt who likes this show sort of thing. Frick, did you have this T-shirt? Uh, the fl- I have a flash shirt. No, a Bazinga that. shirt. 
Did you have a no, Bazinga shirt? I don't have a Bazinga shirt. I do have a, a um Pedro shirt though that I got for free when I worked at the movies and Napoleon Dynamite came out. That's an actual one from a movie theater. It's probably worth something. If I could find it. If there's anything <laughs> branded on it that would like make it special, then probably. Yeah, like the movie theater, or like the company or the date or something. Something like that, yeah. Uh, just real quick before we go on to this, I don't mean to hold anything up. I'm a little lost here. Bazinga? It's his catchphrase. Does it oh. mean anything? Or is it no, just like, it's, nope, like it's like his gotcha. He's like, Bazinga. Okay. Does he say that in this episode? No. no. He doesn't even say okay. it in this season, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm sorry. I was so confused. You guys kept saying Bazinga, and I was like, is that like a Flash alias I never read? Is there like, I don't know what's happening here. So now that makes more sense. This is like a show where like every single character gets flanderized by the end, like to an extreme. Yeah. Especially Sheldon, who's just becomes, he just be, he turns into like a catchphrase machine. I think that happened to me at some point where I'm watching this and I have limited knowledge of the show and then I'm watching his character and I'm thinking he's acting out of character, but it's not that. It's that I only know the more cartoonized version when it became more popular. Well, also, this show also gave us the now Jeopardy host, the current Jeopardy host. I I would say that Blossom gave us that, not her, not uh, this. No, this is probably what got her back. This got her back in the mainstream. What are you talking about? This is, I thought this was her first gig. Are you fucking kidding me? She is fucking Blossom with literally our childhood on TV. No, I've never seen an episode of Blossom. How have you not seen Blossom? That show because I'm not Blossom. a 13-year-old girl. That wasn't a girl show. Yes, she just it was. happened to be a female main character. Joey Lawrence. Whoa. Whoa. That's where the whoa. whole thing came from. No. Never. Not a single episode. That was like I a girl show. You that was facts. like, it's like, like my seven favorite Gordo thing ever. It's just arguing straight facts. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta double check now and see what year Blossom came out because it's gotta be ninety two or ninety three. It was, I think it was before that. Pilot came out in nineteen ninety. Yeah, it was like a girl show. I remember. I know, but you're, but you're like, oh, it's not like I was a thirteen year old girl. You were five when it came out, so it wasn't like you were like too old for Blossom. You were a five year old boy. It was a girl show, and that's when a girl show mattered when you're five. To be it's fair, not a girl show. Just because the main character is a girl doesn't make and it a even girl if it show. is. I used to love Gem and the Holograms when I was like a little kid. That was a, a show for girls. Who it cares? was not a show aimed at me. Well, then how did the rest of us all watch it when we literally all grew up in the exact same place, the exact same age, in the exact same circumstances? Meanwhile, this show aimed at you because you're a young genius. <laughs> yeah. you know, like I know. Yeah, because you know string theory. Dude, it got to a point where I was like, I feel like I know some things. or Not, not that I know things smartly, but I know an idea of what some of these things are. And then they kept rattling things off, and I was like, I'm not even looking up what this shit is. Because either they're making it up, or it's like so in the woods stuff that I couldn't explain it anyway. I'm out. Do you think like the writers have to have consultants? Oh yeah, there has to be science consultants. There's no way you could do that without it. I don't know about the sciencey stuff, but I know ninety nine percent of their like comic book stuff and like pop culture stuff is pretty accurate throughout the show. Yeah, I mean you have to if you have a show that's so concentrated on like specific things like sciences or art or whatever, like you have to have people behind the scenes who know really well to like correct you. It's like having doctors on ER or like cops on Law and Order. I can tell you that that is. When we get to the part of the bo- of that is not scrolled on the MIT bathrooms. Okay. Uh, and w- the other thing I want to say right before we get into the actual episode, which, you know, as always, we took too long to start up, but happy 75 episodes. That's a pretty big number, right? 75? I brought out the light board that says 75. Big Congratulations, bang. boys, on 75. And you know what? Happy birthday, Goro. Oh, yeah. And as of, as of the day we're recording, yeah, it's Goro's birthday. 
Well, thank and to you. celebrate, I'm going to buy you the Blossom Blu-ray box set, you asshole. I don't have a Blu-ray player, so... And a Blu-ray, or I don't know, DVD, VHS, whatever you have. Give me... No, no, you already committed. You said you're going to get him a Blu-ray player, so now you have to do it. <laughs> they, they can't be that expensive now. No, Blu-ray I'm sure you can get one for fairly cheap. Now that now. everything's streaming, yeah, you can just buy him season one on Amazon or something. It's probably like 10 bucks. All right. Either way, I'm getting you some Blossom. Yeah. And an Whoa. awesome Blossom for, for you to eat while you're watching Blossom. Mmm. Extra awesome from the chilies. Oh, you mean you from, the awesome from, blossom? No, that's that's uh, the 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 Australians. They call it a blooming onion. At chilies, they called it an awesome blossom. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> the Australians. <laughs> you know what I'm talking? The outback. You know what I'm talking? That's about. the Australians. <laughs> Our like two Australian listeners right now are throwing their phones at the wall. <laughs> and isn't like blossom? Fuck this guy. <laughs> Actually, shout out to our buddy Pat, who lives in Australia now. Oh, yeah, listening. hey, Pat. He's probably listening. Hey, Pat. Hi, Pat. <laughs> I just imagine Gordo in Australia being like, uh, where is your, you know, your native onion plates? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Michael Scott thing to do, like going for a genuine New York slice and going to Sbarro, like going all the way on the like 37 hour plane flight to Australia and being like, where's the Outback Steakhouse? <laughs> I'm going to take a kangaroo cab all the way over there. No, I'm going to go and, and play knifey spoony with somebody. All right, guys. Do you guys want to actually try talking about this episode now? Should we get into it? I'd rather talk about knifey spoony, to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> we could just pivot to the Simpsons episode in Australia, which would be a much more So the answer is no, hour. right? The answer is no, you don't want to start talking about it? No, no I don't. No. Do another pivot. I'm anticipating no coitus. $900 dues. Let's get into it, guys. Opening scene, we're at a sperm bank. And um, I do want to say, I, I caught a note on this when I was reading up. I guess this whole scene is cut in syndication. Isn't that weird? I thought this, that was such a weird thing to see. I saw that as well. And like this, I think, sets a good tone for the show. And also, that means it cuts out uh, Will Smith's mom from Fresh Prince. Yeah, Vi. Yeah, Vi's in this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I thought that was weird. I, th- I didn't know if it was a timing thing. Sometimes you have to, like, syndication gets a little more commercial time. So I was like, maybe that was why. Because it's the most remote removed from the storyline is this opening scene we needed more scenes of them slowly walking up the stairs in their underwear and we eliminated will smith's mom i don't know about that no but it's not though because they reference this scene in the next scene when they're walking up the stairs for the first time they actually cut a line out um that was like the follow-up of that they cut a, that line gets cut too because oh. to make the story sync up yeah oh interesting okay but uh yeah so they they entered this um sperm bank for geniuses essentially that it is and yeah as you said the the receptionist nurse it was weird i guess she was both but she's sitting at the the counter and that's um yeah vi from um fresh prince i i I apologize i didn't write her actual name down and i did see that i guess she always in like throughout the history of the show i guess always plays the nurse every time the she's always the receptionist uh, Vernie Watson, by the way, is her name. She's also in Christmas with the Cranks, which I think is a highly underrated Tim Allen. Oh, that's Christmas a great movie. movie. Fucking great movie. I've only seen a part of it. <laughs> oh. <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, we're having a just for funsies, <laughs> not for broadcast uh, group watch of Christmas with the Cranks this holiday season, and it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to get everybody a fruit cup, and you'll understand why once we get there. Well, uh, yeah, well, I'll just get in a, in a Zoom call. We'll just turn on our TVs at the same time. Oh, I love this. We can do a Facebook watch party. Or an Instagram watch party. Do people do those? The function's there. YouTube people do a lot of that live It's an option on like all the streaming pages now. At least on, um, whatchamacallit, on Prime. So I shouldn't say all, one. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, in any event, so they get into the main lobby of the sperm bank, and the receptionist is working on, like, a crossword puzzle, and Leonard and Sheldon are the two main characters, if you're unaware, and Leonard walks over, and he notices that she's doing the crossword, and he starts giving her all the answers uh, right away, which, oh my god, I would kill someone if I was trying to work on something like that, and they just spit the answers out for me. To be fair, though, she could have helped them. They were the only ones in there. She could have gave it a little bit of customer service. Well, was he giving her the answers to make her stop working on it or just because he's smart and wanted to flex his brain power? No, he wanted her to stop and help them. That's not how I read that. No, because they were standing there and they let a little bit of comical amount of time pass. And then they went, they looked over and said, oh yeah, it's one, two, three, four, five. And went, went through the, the things. That's what, how I interpreted it. Yeah, I get the joke that he saw it and he has, I mean, he's like an, he's like an autodidact. Like they, they keep mentioning all the things that they're like geniuses of, uh, but I do like that he takes a beat for it. Like at least there's a comic timing in taking a beat and then not being able to handle it. It's very much Andy Bernard. I can't, if I don't resolve the mem- uh, the melody, I'll get a headache, which I feel like is something I have all the time. We got out of the car the other day before Kelsey turned the radio off. She was like, I was like, sorry, there's a snare part coming. All right. Anyway, back to the store and like was able to get out of the car. So I totally get that. But yeah, I don't think I don't think there was any malice behind it. That's not really Leonard's character. That's more of a Sheldon thing <laughs> to move. It, if it was like just to move it around uh, along and be selfish. Um, I mean, you shouldn't know that yet, but I'm going by just I'll pretend it's just from what I know from this episode. <laughs> I do find that stuff interesting sometimes because we've this has happened to us in the past, right? Where we'll all interpret something that happens different. And obviously with a lot of these shows, it's not meant to be that deep where it's like, well, how did you read that? But you know, we all watch it and you just you just take it a different way and you you don't even think that it could be a different way until you discuss it like this and you go, oh wait, I guess I didn't yeah. think that could be an option. I also feel like when they were writing the scene at the high IQ sperm bank, they didn't expect this sort of analysis was going to come out of it 15 years later. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so when they're sitting down to fill out all this paperwork, Sheldon starts getting a little like nervous and it was kind of like a valid point, I thought, because he was like, what if we're frauds? And just because like, we're geniuses, essentially, saying it doesn't mean that we will produce offspring that are of the same, you know, level of IQ. What do you care what your offspring are if you're donating to a sperm bank? Just guilt, I guess, because the whole reason that they're eligible for this place is because of it. And Yeah, because it's a high IQ sperm bank. If it was just generalized sperm bank, I don't think it matters. But I think if you're paying extra for sperm, that's supposed to be higher caliber sperm. Yeah. And your sister works at Fuddruckers and you get a little nervous about it. I've never, um, yeah, I've never attempted to make any withdrawals from said banks, but you see this in episode, like other sitcoms all the time. And there's always this kind of emphasis on, well, they're reading the profiles when like, Oh, he was a doctor. He's six, yeah. three and muscular and blah, blah, blah. And they, and you know, people will read into the, you know, genetics of what their potential father of the, of their kid would be. And that stuff makes sense. And I guess I always just thought, the physical attributes, I guess, make more sense than like their brain, right? Because that's just kind of up to, I guess, some people are more destined to be intelligent than others, but you got to put the work in for that stuff. Is there a geneticist listening right now? That's a funny question to ask about our podcast, but if there is, they could explain something like this. I'm sure the first thing they're going to tell me is that the actual term is not geneticist and that's going to strike us out immediately, but... I'm going to go on a limb and just say no. Perhaps not. But yeah, I don't know. I just thought... Uh, it is interesting, the thought of that and that you could, you're picking your donor based on something like that. Like, oh, he has a 180 IQ, but really 
that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to affect your child at all. Your child could be as smart as these two are, but it doesn't matter if you can't provide the tools to, it's a nature versus nurture thing. If you want to really dive deep into this, it's nature versus nurture. You could be smart as hell, but if you don't nurture that child, if you don't put them in an environment where they're going to thrive, they're not going to grow up to be, you know, kids that go through high school in like a year. I don't know. Not not going by this show because all, all the spinoff young Sheldon because he brought up was brought up by um religious Texas parents. That doesn't happen in real life, though. I'm just saying. Not by none this of show. this happens in real life. This is a very very non realistic sitcom. But I think if push comes to shove, you're you're getting injected with sperm. You maybe it won't do anything, but it's got a better chance than some idiot. Yeah. You're not getting dummy cummies. Yeah, no dummy. Co- I mean, I don't think that any of the four of us would be considered to donate at the high sperm, high IQ sperm banks. I fucking can't even say it. That's not helpful. I don't know. I just came. I just coined dummy cummy. So <laughs> look out, high IQ sperm bank. Well, you you just lowered all of our IQs. So thanks. Yeah. Person number seven, identity secret, invented the term dummy cummy and also <laughs> lost all of his money in an ape NFT scheme. Would you like him to give you the donated sperm? Like, no, I think I'll pass on the guy who looks like a football player later. What do you think of the whole motive for this being that they were trying to get money for like T1 bandwidth internet? And you figure, I know they're like in school and stuff, but like two geniuses such as themselves, you think they'd have a little bit more money. No, they're professors at a school. Oh, they're prof- they're professors at the school and they can't afford high speed internet. I thought at this point maybe they were still uh, students. No, they're professors. Do they get into that in this episode though? No. Okay. All right, just checking. But they do also look too old to be in school, and they do mention that they like graduated high school and they were like eleven or college or whatever. So Some people obviously- are like career students though. You know what I mean? When you keep getting more and more degrees, and then you're just you're just doing it for half your life. I mean, I guess that's true. But I guess because they, me- I mean, I feel like you get the idea that they also wouldn't have like. But then again, they also are have roommates. Like they're they don't have their own place either. So because they're nerds. Yeah, but they're like super intelligent, genius level professors. They should be making enough money to have their own apartments. They could have apartments next to each other. And even if they want to share an apartment, just because they enjoy it, because they're both single, they should between the two of them be able to afford decent internet. Listen, guys, nerd collectibles cost a lot of fucking money. That's true. That's why they're broke. I bent my Wookie. <laughs> And I like that the scene closes out with basically they change their minds about the situation and they want to leave, but they're not quite sure how to go about it. As if there's any way like that, like the receptionist really gives a fuck. The, that woman does not give a shit at all. She sees people in there and out. Like when you have a, we've all have jobs, had jobs like this where you just see a billion people all day long. You do not track, register, care what one person does from the next as long as it's not like out of bounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's not getting paid by the load. No, no. She's this is to carry that load in her back. I wish they just threw a curveball and she just chased them at full speed, like, motherfuckers! <laughs> Give me that cum! <laughs> Give me that cum! <laughs> you sounded like Marky Mark in fear when he's like, let me in the house! That's all I could think of right there. <laughs> Give me back, my son! <laughs> well, that takes on a whole new meaning in a sperm bank. So, I, I think this is the only time this happened, or maybe it happened at some other point, but you get like that transition shot of like the CGI, like the atoms moving or whatever. To me, it was a little, that was too dated looking. For 2007, it just felt like that was very 90s to have something like that in there. It looks just like Third Rock from the Sun. That's what I thought too, yeah. Third yeah, Rock that's like a Third Sun. Rock from the Sun thing. Good call. I never even 
made that connection. But it worked on Third Rock from the Sun because it was like 1994 and John Lithgow was hilarious. Yeah, it just felt like it didn't need to be on a show like this, but whatever. That should be a transition to every episode into the theme song. Which happens like six minutes in the show. Way too long. The theme song is a weird one too. We'll get there. We'll talk about it. But By Bare Naked Ladies? But I swore for years I thought it was They Might Be Giants. No, it's, it's Bare Naked Ladies. They Might Be Giants and Malcolm in the Middle. I know, but they might, they might Be Giants are famous for all their like, you know, the world is a mass of incandescent gas. They have like all those like nerdy songs. So I just always assumed it was them. I didn't think it was the Here's Brown band who's going to be the one who did this, which is another one of those stupid things where I just kept fucking saying. Yeah. So after that transition, we get to them walking into their apartment building and they're going up these steps and it's indoors and it's kind of like the elevator is broken. And I know that becomes a runner in the show, but for the sake of this episode, we're seeing this for the first time, the broken elevator. Can we talk about also too, though, that the elevator is broken and it's like a fucking charlie chaplin movie there's like big planks of wood across it with like caution tape and like it's so comical where it's not just like hey elevators out of order and we locked the doors so you can't open them like and there's just like a little yeah someone printed uh, a sign out of the regular printer that just says out of order yeah it's not like that it's basically looks like the he-man woman haters club building from the little rascals like it looks like a bunch of fucking little kids came in there and planked wood around it like it's so stupid looking yeah Wrong sign, Porky. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as they're going up the stairs, Sheldon's like, oh, you want to hear something interesting about stairs? And he said that if the height of a single step is even off by as little as two millimeters, that most people will trip. And Leonard's like, I don't care. And he goes, wait, two millimeters? That doesn't seem right. And that, I did think that if that's true, it's super interesting. And there was like a little tidbit that I saw. That there's a rumor that Saddam Hussein intentionally had staircases built uneven and memorized them. So uh, with the intention of if someone started to chase him, that he would have the steps <laughs> memorized and they would trip. It's like a Benny Hill I, I think don't know I can go on record right now and say that's probably the worst thing that man has ever done. <laughs> that, that's the worst no. thing Saddam Hussein's ever done? Oh, wait. Wrong podcast. Sorry, guys. Um, well, anyways... That's a weird thing. If that's true, it's kind of genius. It's fucking evil genius level shit. Yeah. yeah. But then you have to memorize all your steps and like which one's an inch lower and which one's higher. One drink too many that night and then you are the asshole. You know what I mean? Depends how many steps. Yeah. I guess they, <laughs> what they say is true. More like so damn insane. Am I right, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and, and that's the only, that's the only Saddam fact I have for today. So <laughs> I guess we can. Didn't he lose a basketball game to Jesus in that Guar video? Sudamagogo? Yes. Um, I don't know, but I wish that sentence didn't end with in a Guar video. I wish that was just an actual question you were asking. First off, Guar's great, but no, Gora, as I think about it, I believe that's the meat sandwich video where Jesus plays basketball. Oh, okay. I think you're right. I could have sworn it was Sudamagogo. No, I don't know if there's a Saddam appearance in it. I'm not sure. R.I.P. Dave Brocky. Yeah, that's a bummer. That was a bummer. But not R.I.P. Saddam Hussein. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Uh, let's, let's be clear here. They continue to talk as they go up the stairs, and they get up to their floor, and across the hall from their door, there's an open door, and they witness their neighbor, new neighbor for the first time, Penny, who's listening to Smile by Lily Allen on her CD player, I think it was. Now, did that take you back? Because I was like, shit, I haven't thought about, not that I like listened, but that was like a pop song on the radio I remember hearing a lot in that summer or whatever. It's certainly like it was a big song that's not played much these days. Like 
So yeah, a little bit of that. I feel like she might be still pretty popular in the UK, just not as much in the US. Any of our UK listeners, let me know. But like when this came out, I was still working at Newbury Comics. So like those sort of songs you still like heard, you know what I mean? You still had like that stuff playing all the time around you. I was more taken back by like the CD player itself because it was like that was definitely the era. Like it happened with a lot of the um, Mac computers too, where everything was like just colored plastic, you know? So it was like, oh, get it in seven different colors. And hers was like, she had like some green CD player, like the clear green. Like I had N64 controllers that looked like that too. Right. Yeah. They're just like the clear plastic that was colored. Man, I got to tell you, we go to like a lot of like thrift stores and junk shops and like antique malls. It's like one of the things we do a lot of because there's a ton up here. Because you like to dicker. I love dickering. When I moved to Maine, you got a dicker. Oh, I couldn't let you beat me up that bad for it. (laughs) But one thing I've been noticing on the rise is those like little miniature CD players that we'd all had, right? That were like even $20 by the end. People now just think those are like crazy valuable and you'll see them in a bunch of places for like, it'll be like vintage $94. Like that's not going to happen ever again, guys. This is going to be here for a long time. The ones that look like jailhouse uh, electronics with the clear You can see through everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? You'd be surprised if there's anything I've learned. It's that the most random thing will become valuable one day. It just takes the right situation or the right idiot on eBay being like, I will not lose this. Some celebrity decides to talk about it. And then everyone's just scouring the internet for mini disc players. And what do mini discs come up so often on this show? <laughs> I, I get this Vinci's Zune. <laughs> oh, man. The Zune is basically the uh, man. They tried. That was a real. They tried. <laughs> it wasn't a bad thing you could listen to the radio on it and they had more storage than an ipod for a while yeah. like they were a better product again this is like Betamax versus vhs it was a better product it's just they couldn't keep up with the ease of use of an ipod yeah it was too yeah. simple to use and by the time ipods came out it was just like too many people already had them and you were like not cool if you didn't have it you know what you know what too is at one point zoom just became nickelback and it was like embarrassing to like it so it's like you couldn't even say like, oh, Zune's not that bad without people making fun of you. Or like you'd for Christmas at the Yankee swap at your work, you'd get like $25 in iTunes gift cards. And at that point, all you could buy on iTunes was music. And if you had a Zune, you were just like, well, fuck me. I don't know what's in the Zune store right now. And I'm guessing not a lot. <laughs> a whole lot of bare naked lady songs. You can buy one bare naked ladies record. <laughs> Which also, speaking of bad music from that time, I wanted to bring up because we hadn't mentioned it on the show in a while, but for a while there, it was another running gag, is that Johnny Galecki is in the Dave Matthews music video for Satellite, which we <laughs> hadn't done in a super long time. There's um, this one Dave Matthews song I, I like. I don't know many of his songs. There's like one I like. Crush, I believe. That one's pretty good. I don't know if I know that one. I know like the ones that I'm were on crazy the radio. for thinking just as long as you're around. That's that a one? great impression, Jay. How's your uh, Bobcat <laughs> Goldthwait impression coming along? Terrible. Wait, it's can you do terrible. a Bobcat Dave Swait? Did you just do like a Dave Matthews Bobcat somehow? <laughs> I don't care it. if you do Dave Matthews doing Bobcat or Bobcat singing Dave Matthews, but I would really like one or the other. That, I mean, hey, if Bobcat's in any other TV pilots and you guys come across it, then you have me cornered, but until then. But uh, yeah, so in any event, they notice Penny standing there and like, oh, the new neighbor, huh? And significant uh improvement from the old neighbor and sheldon's like yeah well, 200 pound transvestite with skin condition yeah she is and um that even seemed like a line that i feel like already you wouldn't really get away with 15 years later no two things that tracked from that right away were that didn't seem right in 2007 as a joke and it's like on the line yeah and the second one too is that 200 pounds is like a very normal weight so i was very confused at them calling that out you know if you, you if he was like 
a 400 pound or if he was like an 87 pound you'd be like oh okay these are two different sides of the scale but like i don't know i didn't look it up but i'm like i'm willing to bet that there is like a very large chunk of the population of the united states who are like around 200 pounds and that's just like a normal fucking weight. like it's a weird thing to use as a number it's uh it's weird to think like in a show like this that's so grounded in like nerd culture which is more like alternative interest and stuff that like a joke that's shaming someone for their weight and gender options it doesn't it doesn't sync with the show like the big bang theory yeah, it seems very out of place for, like you said weight or gender or just in general for their appearance when it's like a whole culture yeah. up until this point was like spurned people were like oh it's the nerd at the comic book store with the acne like it just seems like a weird nerd revenge bullshit thing in all fairness they didn't say anything negative against them they just said that penny who is a smoke show is an upgrade from them i guess that's fair they weren't yeah i guess you're right but the skin condition seems like a you're sliding on the way of not yeah it sounded like they were pointing out faults well, maybe it was a contagious skin condition maybe that was it maybe they wanted to invite <laughs> the that person over for dinner but were afraid of catching a skin condition what if it was just a nice person who just got stuck having shingles because they were over 40 and now they're at risk <laughs> Because if it's not a Frank Thomas commercial, it's a commercial telling you that someday you will get shingles, which I love. It's not like you can get it now, but someday you'll fucking get it. That's a memory I have from when I was in driving school. Like my driving instructor, the guy who taught like the actual in class was like, oh, I just recently had shingles and I'm 16. I don't even know what that means. What the fuck is a shingle? Did you assume he was talking about the roof of the car? Yes, that's what he meant. (laughs) Somebody out there is laughing at that joke. I'm laughing. <laughs> oh, thank you. I didn't see you were laughing. But yeah, so uh, so they, they go to say hi to Penny, and you have this whole scene where they're all just saying hi, 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 hi. Like, each one of them is going in a circle. And they they go to that joke a few times. I didn't find it that funny, but due to the uh, insane amount of laugh tracks that go on in this episode, uh, apparently the crowd, whether it be real or not, found it very funny. They went to the well a few too many times on that joke, and it's not a joke that like lands at all just like oh they're just saying hi a bunch because they're awkward that's not funny though welcome to the writing of the big bang theory they will drill a joke they will drill a joke in until you go you know what? all right you win i'm laughing even if you don't think it's funny but you will submit <laughs> they just punish you until you agree <laughs> I, it's one of those things where I, I try to go into this episode without bias but one thing i do know about this show is that it's notorious for like an insane amount of laugh tracks I don't know if it was because of that, but I couldn't detach myself from how frequent, like every single line had laughs and it was very, very excessive. And even parts of the show that I found funny, it would take me out of it sometimes because there was too much laughter. Yeah, it's aggressive for sure. And then to piggyback on what you were saying a minute ago too, then they jump into a weird thing where like, we have heterosexual bedrooms. You're like, whoa, yeah. now we're throwing in gay jokes? Like, what is this? Seem- it seems so opposite well, of what I expected because, the show that's, to be. That's not, but that's because she assumed they were gay. Yeah. No, 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 I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that that's a bad joke for a sitcom. And I'm not saying it's not of the time or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it doesn't make sense for these two people to say that. Well, in this case, I, I, I yeah, I think it does there. No, I disagree here because they... Like they're so awkward that it that they say, "Oh yeah, in our house." Like we're, you're you're gl- kind of glossing over the the way that this conversation is flowing. That they keep stirring into saying that they live together, but not in that way because they realize it, it in a very typical nerd fashion that you don't know how to talk to women. 
Well, what what I gathered from it, and the reason I think he specified was it's clear from the jump that as soon as like Leonard laid eyes on Penny, he had a thing for. Her. So as he's trying to make small talk, he wants to make it known that they're not together because I'm into girls. Like you know, so you know I'm available. That's how I took that. Is him just making it clear that he lives there with Sheldon, who he's not seeing. You know, he's very much available and into women. Yeah. Plus, he just broke up with Darlene. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess we didn't get into it. We we did mention his name, his actual name, but yeah, he's. I think he's most known. Well, now he's most known for this. I think this That's is crazy. Trumped it, yeah, but yeah, this this by now is his number one thing that he'd be recognized from. But for years and years, because he was David on Roseanne. Holy shit! Come on, are no you really way, just popping into this now? <laughs> he even reprised his role in the Connors, like. Or, yeah, he still he pops in occasionally. The one crazy one crazy thing about this show is I you know it was on for so long that when I heard him talk normal again because he has the the nerdy like like pinched nose voice. He has a like, very nervous voice, which is almost too much at times. He's very it like blew my mind hearing him talk normal again because I forgot that he has actually has a normal voice. It was like cool to see him play David again. Actually, like yeah. in the newer, I don't remember if he came in when it was still Roseanne again, or he did. But he's been on the Connors too, because uh, in the in the world of Roseanne now, him and Darlene were married and had kids, but they've since divorced. So he's like around because he's their dad. But he's also like a shithead. He's like not the character. Like his character doesn't seem like what it would have been on Roseanne. He's like kind of a deadbeat. And yeah, like he's a, a bit flanderer. of a deadbeat dad. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. You're like, I don't want to dislike David. But I like that they were able to be, I think because this show, The Big Bang Theory became so popular, they had to like rough him up like he's more scruffy and they had to make him not look like Leonard. So they they really go like that, that old, I'm an old grunge guy look. It's It makes sense. Yeah, he's so recognizable to a new generation of people now that didn't probably watch Roseanne. They killed, they killed off Mark, right? They had to because he died in real life. Yeah. Yeah, he died. He actually yeah. died. But also, he's Rusty, one of the, I'd say he's the second best Rusty. I agree. In Christmas Vacation, the best Christmas movie of all time. I agree, if, if it wasn't for Gremlins, which is the best Christmas movie of all time. Gremlins is an asterisk, though. That's one of those um, diehard hard Gremlins, yeah. yeah. The great, great, I watch them every year at Christmas, but Christmas with the Cranks and Christmas Vacation are like legitimate Christmas movies. During this greet uh, with Penny, they're just, you know... They're talking real quick. It's very awkward. Like we said, we they talk about where that they live across the hall and stuff. And it ends and they say their goodbyes. And after that, they have like a little sidebar, Sheldon and Leonard. Leonard's like, oh, should we have invited her for lunch? And Sheldon's like, no, we're going to watch season two of Battlestar Galactica. And Leonard's like, we already watched it. He's like, not with commentary. I wanted to bring up here. Are you guys commentary listeners? Because I will always listen to the commentary. I will spend the extra money on like the expanded edition with all the commentary tracks and listen to all of them. And Kelsey's always like, what the fuck do you get from this? I'm like, you get knowledge and it's interesting. When DVDs first came out, that was like the big thing that DVDs offered, that and deleted scenes. So it was really cool to listen to director's commentary and stuff like that. Laserdisc previously as well. Well, I didn't have one though. So, I mean, it was new not for Not many me. people had Laserdisc players, yeah. But then like modern day, everything's streaming. So there's really not a lot of accessibility to like those bonus audio tracks anymore. Not in like a way that you, unless you're seeking it out. So I don't really listen to that stuff anymore because that's really the only way I consume most of my content is through streaming. Besides nowadays, there'll be documentaries. 
give you all the info that the commentary would have given No, but I liked, I mean, for there were certain, like, movies and shows I remember, like, again, in the more early days of having a DVD player that I, I did enjoy listening to it, but it's I just something I don't do anymore just because things have changed. See, I was, I was never into it because they never had interesting people from these movies and shows as commentary people. It was always, like, the third producer and the art producer. Yeah, the, yeah, the set director. The best one ever, if you can ever find it, I actually think you can listen to it streaming on that website, listen to a movie, but the one for 40-year-old version, it's the entire cast, like everybody in the cast, and they're definitely all drinking, and it's amazing. And the, I can't remember his name, the guy who's the, he's like, what the fuck are we to you, Al-Qaeda? Like, that guy, who says, like, pussy juice cocktail, I can't remember the character's name or whatever, but that dude just starts doing some of his stand-up in the middle of it, and it's fucking amazing. Uh, I would highly suggest looking for the 40-year-old version audio commentary from, I'm assuming, 20 years ago now. I think it was the difference between having commentaries once things were coming out already in the DVD world and the initial boom of DVDs where they're just backlogging to find content. So the movie's already been out for 15 years and they're now making the DVD so that you just don't have the accessibility of the cast and everyone come over and do this shit. Oh yeah, I mean a good example is I buy a bunch of the like like they'll they keep reissuing like the Charles Bronson movies on Blu-ray and they have like all these bonus features or whatever, but then they just get like this guy who's a historian to do the commentary track and like sure that's fine whatever, but like I won't listen to that, but like because like that's the hard thing I think the older movies right like I don't I don't know if you could figure out a Casablanca or Wizard of Oz commentary track I'd want to listen to you <laughs> know what I mean like everybody's been dead for forty five years right most surprising thing here about this whole conversation Joe you have a Blu-ray player i've got two of them so you don't even have to buy one you can just send go to one i can send you the one that's in our bedroom that is so loud that when i put it on i end up getting like elbowed in the middle of the night because it's going like because it's like generation one blu-ray player and i could have just bought a new one i probably just should they're debating back and forth whether or not they should be inviting penny over and leonard's excuse is you know we need to widen our circle a little bit and sheldon goes i have a very wide circle i have 202 12 friends on MySpace. Never mention the thing of the day because it will never age. Yeah. Although so far, Facebook's had a pretty long run. But yeah, MySpace. Facebook and Twitter have done okay for themselves. But yeah, saying MySpace really dates this. And I like that Leonard responded by saying, yeah, but you've never met any of them. Sheldon goes, that's the beauty of it. That was kind of the thing about MySpace thinking back was it was so more acceptable to be like, oh, uh, I think this girl's attractive. I'm going to friend her. Where if you do that on Facebook, it's like, what is this serial killer friending me for? I don't know who he is. But on MySpace, it was more, you. there were MySpace celebrities, you know, quote unquote. Like Forbidden. That forbidden and Tila Tequila and stuff like that. That Tila, did Tila Tequila come up recently? I feel like she did. Did she, she what? what? Come up recently on the show? I feel like we mentioned her. I don't know if we have. I don't. I can't think of a time we brought her up. I thought we were talking about that time she took like the weird pictures of her in like the Nazi gear, and everyone was like, "What is happening right now?" I I know we didn't talk about that. I know unless, that for unless sure. it was on the according to Jim episode that I wasn't a part of. We have not had this conversation. <laughs> like, did you guys hear the uh, extended bonus cut where we did commentary on according to yeah. Jim, where we did a deep dive into <laughs> Teal Tequila's Nazi phase? If not, buy the Blu-ray now at s1e1.com. The only time I can think that it would have made any sense for her to come up is if we ever brought up i now pronounce you chuck and larry because she's in that oh she is in that yeah but uh no i don't think we have but yeah the myspace stuff i i just did find that funny to think back about it and how different that was 
for the earlier forms of social media and the acceptability of just friending whoever. It didn't really matter if you knew them I or not. I wonder why. It's no different. It's a trial run. It was it was a novelty. So like you got the people could be fake and now Facebook is real. You know what? Though Ish. <laughs> I would take MySpace back and give up my Facebook anytime if, if I could pick one because MySpace was so much more fun. You could have like music, you could have music, you could have things on. I found so many bands through MySpace back then. It was actually really good for like music discovery, like bands I listen to today. MySpace was very good for musicians and it was very good for music. It also taught people in our generation how to code. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Learned like code, if you man. wanted the sparkly, you know, fucking, you know, profile that had the sparkles that came on it or play or like a certain embed a music, YouTube video or something, yeah. Yeah, you had to go in and code it. The band uh, Calibrees, I still listen to them today. I, I'm almost positive that's how I found them through MySpace. The one thing that, uh, thinking about it too, as we're talking about music on MySpace, because you could have it so like you picked up a, a song that would just play when you clicked on your profile. And I just think back to being at school and you're like clicking around and like, you might be like just creeping on someone's page and then like the song pops up. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you hit pause real quick. Caught. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who from school's music um, from their MySpaces, God must have spent a little more time on you. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were going to go with Mariah Carey's Fantasy. I don't know why that was a song in my head. I was like, that's what I hear Jay clicking on in the computer lab right now. Like, <laughs> sweet, sweet fantasy, baby. I was like, oh no, they found me. That would be him on his own page. <laughs> it's him refreshing to see if he got new likes. Uh, yeah, no, it was the ODB version, though. Me and Mariah go together <laughs> like babies and pacifiers. <laughs> The only good song he ever did was the one with ICP. Nothing is good with ICP. Oh, I'm sorry. Bitches by ICP and ODB is the funniest thing that's ever happened. I'm a, I'm a Wu-Tang fan, so I'm, I refuse to think that his best work was a song with ICP. I'm not anti-Wu-Tang, but you got to hear that song. It is unreal. S- send us the link later. Yeah, I don't know. He just starts yelling names of girls who've done him wrong. <laughs> it's amazing. At one point, he just says, fuck you, passion. Bitch, and it's the fucking funniest <laughs> thing in the entire world. You have to trust me on this one. I know a lot of times I say, "Believe me, this is funny," but ICP and ODB is very funny. I'm making send, it there to send us the a song link. after. Yeah, send us the link when we're done recording. But then I have to listen to an ICP song. You used to do that anyway on your own. You could also listen to their cover of uh, Mozart. Sure. I think it's Lick Mine Arse and they cover something. <laughs> oh, God. God. We can go deep in ICP if you want. Let's because... stop going deep. Let's go deep into the Big Bang Theory. So Dip my balls in your soup. Bloop. Bloop? I'm going to sabu your mama through a coffee table. Relax, everybody. Relax. <laughs> so Leonard decides he's going to invite <laughs> her over. He says they'll have a nice meal and chat. So they head over to her door and they do the hi again thing. And there's the series of hellos. Hi, 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 hi all around. Which, again, the crowd thinks is funny because I think it's canned laughter. And Leonard's like, well, anyways, we bought, um, we bought some Indian food. And he says moving can be stressful. And, you know, he finds out when you're undergoing stress that good food and good company can be comforting. Also, that curry is a natural laxative. And he goes, I don't have to tell you that a clean colon is just one last thing to worry about. And he was so painfully awkward when he was saying that. It was like I felt uncomfortable as he's delivering this to her. <laughs> Also, like, like trying to hit on this girl and, like, one step removed from egg salad sandwich, the least sexy food is Indian food. Um, I love me some Indian food. I get really horny when I eat it. My thing with Indian food is it smells so good, and I'll get about halfway through it, and I'm like, nope, I'm done with this. 
I mean, I like Indian food, but I'm very basic with it. Like, I get just like some like beef or chicken curry, some rice, and some naan. Like, I'm not getting like super crazy with Indian food. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like, like I know the basics, you know. I and there is a fun fact there. So when he's holding up the the bag, it says House of Tandoori on it, and I guess that's a a real restaurant in Pasadena. So I don't know if they did that as a little shout out. Maybe you know some of the crew or something likes ordering from there, but that that was a real um a real spot. Bunch of rich people trying to get free lunch. Good for them for supporting a business, though. I'm sure, to be honest, I'm sure that restaurant probably got a huge boost from it, right? Oh, yeah. But as, as, but as big as the show got, if that place is still around, I'm sure that's kind of a little spot that, like, super fans will hit if they're in the area. You get all the 8x10 signed on the wall at that point, and you milk it. So Penny's receptive. She's like, oh, you're inviting me over to eat. Like, I'd love to. My favorite line of this entire episode, as they're walking over across the hallway to go to their apartment, he goes, so what do you guys do for fun around here? And he goes... Well, today we tried masturbating for money. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That was funny. I like begrudgingly laughed at that. I was like, I'm so fucking mad. I'm laughing at this line. I thought it was funny. And from there, we finally get into the intro and the um the theme song, which, like I said, I think we're like five, six minutes in here. So I, it was kind of crazy that it took that long. For sure. The most notes I've ever had were then it's like theme song break. Like Jesus yeah. Christ. It's just weird because it was the the there's a cold open. This had like three scenes. It's a third of the show, yeah. Thoughts on the intro? The 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 intro itself, the on a video standpoint, was a lot of just rapid fire like random clips that aren't specific to the episode. No, but the song is now like this is now an iconic theme song. Yeah, you know, I actually think this is um I like the song. I thought it was pretty good for a show like this. I thought it worked really well. I believe I don't think it was written for the show i think it was already a song by them and it just fit but i'm don't quote me on that but again too like it's one of those things where it's like a double-edged sword right like i'm sure where they play live people are just like like this is now the song they have to do the encore with <laughs> well in fairness if you go to a, say, if you go to a bare naked ladies concert once they play the two songs you know then then they get into this one you play one in the middle and then you play one as the last song that's how you keep them there I saw a band recently who I won't name, or like not recently, but right before pandemic, who was one of my favorite bands of all time, and they played their big song, like their the song. They opened with it, and everyone was like, "That's crazy!" They opened with it, that rules. And then they closed with it too. And we were like, "Wait, what's happening?" It's like literally like one more time. It's like okay. Was it Europe with the final countdown? It was not because I refer to it as one of my favorite bands, and Europe does not categorize that way. When, when Jay and I saw Boys to Men, they started with Motown Philly and ended with Motown Philly. I don't think that's true. I thought they didn't play Motown Philly, and then everyone left thinking they weren't going to play Motown Philly. No, they came out doing it. But they didn't perform it. They might have just been playing the music for it. No, they, they, they came out performing it. I'm positive. We have different memories of the situation. That's I the only Boys to Men song I want to see live. Uh, what oh, they have man. so they many have good some songs. great hits yeah but they're not a, they're not conducive to live i don't want to see a bunch of sad like i'll make love to you like that's not gonna be fun live motown philly is gonna be fun live those boys can harmonize very well so it's i'm not saying they can harmonize live. i'm just saying i'd be asleep i couldn't be asleep we were at six flags so i had all this adrenaline <laughs> you had just got on a roller coaster that should have killed you so you were up for nine days after that <laughs> that was um the first time i was ever on a roller coaster i think i've been on maybe one since because i'm not a fan i get on the batman one and i remember i had never been on a roller coaster i'm in my 20s at this point is this the six flags in massachusetts or somewhere else yes and i remember just standing in line like ready to have a full-on panic attack and i'm looking and i'm literally like telling myself 
there are six-year-olds right behind you that are so excited for this right now, and you're freaking out. Like, just get on the thing. And then I sit on the ride, and, you know, I'm like, I'm finally going to do a roller coaster, okay? And, like, then the chute, like, opens from under your feet because it's one that, like, will flip oh. you upside down, and I did not know it was going to be that kind of. Yeah. So now my feet are just hanging, and they're flipping us upside down. I was not ready for that at all. I've only ever been on one that, I mean, I I definitely had... The last roller coaster I ever went on was at Six Flags as well. I did the Superman. I didn't think it would be as bad as I thought it would be. I would never. I oh, would I go never. on a t- I go on a lot of roller coasters. Superman is the most intense roller coaster I've ever been on. So that's a doozy for you. I don't know why you assumed that wouldn't be that bad. I didn't think it was that bad. We got off. I was on it with our friend Doug. I got off. I went, I can't believe we survived that. And I immediately walked and pooped. I was so scared that I literally had to immediately poop. I was fucking terrified. I have a photo of us on it. You know, they take the picture. Yeah. And I'm just like, you can see the soul trying to escape my body. Like who framed Roger Rabbit. I have never been more scared in my life. intense roller coaster. (laughs) You would go up so slow on such a narrow track. And then it holds you up top for a minute too, which I think is just the ultimate torture of just like, Really drink it all in that you're going to die in a minute. Like, oh, I don't want that. And that hits you with a mist at one point, I want to say, too. I don't know. I'm having yeah. bad memories thinking about this again. <laughs> we get into Sheldon and Leonard's apartment, and this is them bringing Penny in for the first time. And, you know, they say, make yourself at home. And she's looking around, and she notices, like, the board that Sheldon's working on. And she's very impressed, right? She sees all these equations and numbers. And Sheldon's actually, who's been very kind of, like, cold toward towards her at first, is He's a little excited that she's taking interest to his work. So he starts to talk about it a little bit. And she's like, so you're one of those beautiful mind genius guys. And he's like, yep. And as she's impressed by it now, Leonard's like, I have a board too. And showing his. (laughs) And uh, first off, her reply is holy smokes, which is like, who writes this dialogue? (laughs) No one says holy smokes. She's a sweet girl from the Midwest. Quick question, because I don't want to judge her on this alone, and I'm pretty sure I've seen a few episodes of Eight Simple Rules, uh, R.I.P. John Ritter, but that's definitely like a coming soon for us, right? But she can't act at all in this episode. Is she just playing like so bad that she can't act? Is she good in other stuff? Like, I don't know her very well. Well, she plays this character very simple and like lighthearted and almost, I don't want to say dumb. She doesn't, I don't want to say dumb is is the right word, but she's very... Yeah, to a but degree. she's not ditzy, though. So she's more I, like... I have a theory on that, a Big Bang Theory, if you will. But um, <laughs> so, the original unaired pilot, it was a different character. It was a very different character. And I have a feeling she read for that. And then last minute, they completely changed everything about it. And she was still falling into this new character. Oh, so the original one was like a more like a less. She was more of like a drunk party girl. And yeah. that was the the biggest thing they changed. Okay, she's playing like a drunk party girl. That's perfect. Yeah, that makes total sense now. So I think the biggest thing that they changed from the first, uh, the unaired pilot to this one was that character was the main difference. So they retooled. Yeah, it's not even just like a, a different person. It's not a different, it's a whole different name, whole different character. Everything's different about it. She really, again, this is one of those things where if you do follow the show, like she falls into that character and like really makes it like she's really, really good at playing this character in other episodes. Just so you know. Yeah, I haven't seen the unaired pilot, but I think if from what I was reading, the it, it, her name wasn't Penny in the original pilot either. It was a different actress as well. But that actress portrayed like that character was more like mean towards them, where it seems like they went the complete opposite and wanted her to be super nice to them in this incarnation. So 
maybe that's a lot of it too is she's just really light whenever she's interacting with them yeah and again it's like we we judge on the pilot but i'm just asking about her as an actor if like i've never seen her in anything else that i can think of so i don't know if, if she i watched eight simple rules like for a while like especially the john ritter years i don't i didn't really watch after was that they replaced him with andy dick right <laughs> after he that's died. a bad replacement maybe uh I forget. I mean, when, he, when he passed away, it was so sudden that they were stuck in the middle of a season. Like, they had to do something. Yeah, they were in a really weird spot because that show was, like, starting to take off. Yeah. Remember it was originally called Eight Simple Rules to Dating My Teenage Daughter or yeah. whatever? And they were like, that's way too long. We need to cut that one down. There's a lot of those shows, like, Don't Trust the Bee, I think, got cut down because it was, like, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment, whatever. Or, like, um, Shit My Dad Says, I think, got changed to something else. That just became two guys and a girl, right? Eventually, yeah, two guys and a girl in a pizza place, which just became two guys and a girl. Yeah, there's like a lot of those. Like, it's like all the shitty like emo core bands or whatever from like the early 2000s, where everybody had a fucking comma in their name. Their name was so long. It was like, what the fuck sentence are you using your band name for? Whatever happened to like, I don't know, the fucking cure? Things were easier back then. Hi, we're Whoa the Travesty Shadows. Yeah, <laughs> you've got multiple punctuation points in your name. This is a problem. Yeah, so in any event... You put all your logos on the bottom left third of your t-shirt for some fucking reason. What was that thing? I hated that so much. Anyways, uh, so Leonard's now... Ah! I'm so mad about this time period. <laughs> this show is part of it. Why did you make a Why did you make a Howard Dean noise just now? <laughs> <laughs> you killed him. You killed my boy. Oh, I foamed that beer in my mouth so hard while I was laughing I couldn't swallow it. <laughs> I was looking down reading about the unaired pilot. I just heard Joe make that noise. It scared me to look up. <laughs> Howard Dean. We're going to two guys and a girl in a pizza place. But then we're going to Abishola. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Abishola, no. <laughs> I honestly don't want to cover Abishola because I don't want to not be able to reference it. Anyways, to go back to this. After she says holy smokes, something goes, if by holy smokes you mean derivative uh, restatement of the kind of stuff that you could find scribbled in the wall of any men's room at MIT, sure. Um, Gordo, you said you have some insight. Is any of this stuff written in MIT on the bathroom walls? No. Are you going to start writing it? <laughs> yes. I, 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 if I knew what he was writing, yes. Yeah, I, I want to I see you writing um, string theory on, on the MIT bathroom wall. Just a, a screenshot and a sharpie, you can recreate it. I could, and then I and then I could write here. I sit so brokenhearted. Yeah, that makes more sense for a Gordo reference. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Now, if you guys had to develop string theory, no, if you guys are gonna write something on a bathroom wall, <laughs> that's where I thought you were going, and I was like, oh, we can all have an answer for this. Instead, you went for if you could develop a complex coded theory. Uh, what do you want us to say to this, bud? I don't write stuff on walls and or things now because we're adults and I'm not trying to vandalize. But without giving away the specific number because it might still be in use, <laughs> uh, I think we should mention that when we were younger, there was a friend of ours who we used to write his phone number on everything, everything for years, and that's what I would have wrote on a bathroom Multiple wall states. at that point in time. Yeah, didn't we? Someone make business cards and hand them out in Jamaica. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I I made business cards at the mall. There was like a. That was like one of those when when like kiosk machines started becoming like a thing where you could just do like anything with these little machines. Like in between the orange Julius and the Scientologists, you could get business cards made for some reason. You could get business cards made from like that little machine that was like at the food court. So it was Tony's um, taxi. Yeah, yeah, with his phone number on it, and we left some of them like at the bank, like a stack of them. So like 
<laughs> so many places. We used to write it on money. That's the fun. <laughs> yeah. We, we wrote it everywhere. And I want to say as an adult that I'm sorry, but I'm not. I thought it was so funny and I still think it's funny. So I'm not, I'm not in the least bit sorry for it. <laughs> I will say I am sorry for the hard thing about that is that you don't expect the shrapnel and like who knows what's still out there and who has that number now, right? Because it's a bummer for somebody who has that number now who's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because you write stuff in marker or in spray paint or whatever, it lasts forever. Somebody might eventually catch it and try to call it again. That's and this true. could be a real 86753 or 9 scenario where this person fucking moved into this house and is like, what happened? I'm from. Do they even give that number out? Like, can you get that number? And Well, it wasn't a cell phone number, it was a house number. No, but. Eight six seven five three zero nine. There will be one at every area code. Oh, there should be one at every area code. I imagine you can still get it. Yeah. When that song was written, you didn't have to dial the area code to call out. Right. Yeah. You just got whatever the most local one to you was. So I just wonder if, like, they try to not distribute that number if it's available in your area. It's a weird thing because I mean that's forty years old now, but it's also a huge song. Like people are never going to still gonna a not... song everyone knows. Yeah. yeah. People are always going to know Tommy Two Tone. I'd say not a fan. Oh, I love that. Song. Of that song, it's a good song. It pops because of, you know, my taste in music that gets like thrown when I put random on, on, um, like Amazon music and stuff. It, you know, you must like this. It puts that on all the time for me to the point that I'm like angry and I don't like the song anymore. I'm trying to think of, um, me first in the gimme gimme's did a cover of that, or if that just fell into like the Napster days where every punk cover quote unquote, oh, there was a million pop punk bands covering that song. I'm sure they were always, there. but. Every like punk cover would be listed as me first in the Gimme Gimme's, even though most of the time it wasn't. Like, right, it was just like some band. All those poor bands not getting credited because people just thought it was that one band who did covers. Going back to the iPod conversation, nothing would drive me more insane than like back then you'd be like trying to find music on somebody's iPod at a party or whatever, and it wouldn't be painstakingly accurate where they like oh if you if they didn't clean it up so it'd be like me first and sign the gimme gimme's and then me first a and d the gimme gimme's oh like, god yeah. oh i fucking have nightmares thinking about that shit to this day and then i'm also sad about the hours and hours i spent cleaning up my itunes oh mine was pristine for no reason yeah for fucking nothing it's all gone because of that i used to go to jay and steal his itunes list <laughs> yeah you take somebody who's people used to ask this me was, too like this was you... super clean <laughs> yeah, can you Sanudi, I think the program was. Like, can I just plug in and get Sanudi for your iPod and steal all your stuff? Because I know it's even. I can just delete what I don't want, yeah. I would like, if there was no album art, I would, like, make up fake album art because I needed something to be there. Couldn't have a placeholder, yeah. Fuck. Oh, God. The <laughs> yeah. hours wasted. Sheldon and Leonard are going back and forth now debating, you know, theories. And meanwhile, Penny sits down on the couch and she says, uh, you guys mind if I start? And I was like, that's not normal at all to do. They invited you over to eat, and now you're just going to, like, ask if you could just eat their food? Right, like, no plates, like, everything just at the same time. Like, you don't li- you don't live here, and that's not your food. You can't just be like, mind if I get going? You just met them ten minutes ago. She's a pretty girl, and she's read them already. She knew she yeah. could. But she's too innocent for that. She's not one to, like, take advantage of it. They said, uh, make yourself at home. I guess. I would feel so uncomfortable if, like, even if, like, one of you, and I've known you guys the majority of my life, if I was at your house and you're like, oh, we're all going to have dinner and you guys are like off to the side doing something, I would be like, is it cool if I start eating before you're here? Like, I, that just seems so weird to me. It's usually the opposite, especially if you're like hosting where you're like, hey, I'm still trying to get this stuff to get, eat first, eat first, you're going to get cold, yeah. like start eating, it's fine, I'll meet you there in a minute. Like, that's fine. But like, to be like, do you mind if I just start eating these fucking breadsticks or whatever? You know, you're like, yeah, well, hold off, that's kind of rude. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it just seems so weird to me. 
At this point, too, I didn't realize they like invited the other two friends over, even though I've seen this episode. But um, I was questioning why they had so much food at the time. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. I, I didn't think I never about that knew, either. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense, though. But then again, I don't know. I feel like they're like TV skinny, where like people on TV always eat way more food than a regular human being would and are never, they're always like super skinny or whatever. Like that main character, is it Sheldon? Sheldon yes. is super skinny. The tall, skinny one, yeah. Who I think would make a great Spock, by the way. Yeah. yeah. This is a Spock in an episode. That makes sense. There you go. But yeah. I think, like, if you give him the haircut, I think you're like, oh, that dude could play Spock because he's got the like mannerisms right and he's tall and he's thin. Well, that's the greatest compliment you could give Sheldon. So, right. there you I, go. Mean, like, I like all the actors in this in this show. I just don't love this show, but I do like everybody in it. Well, I don't. I have no opinion on Kaylee Kakao, I guess, because like, I don't know anything else she's in. But everybody else, I'm like, yeah, they're fine. I, I like these people. You call her Kakao, like the chocolate? What's her, how do you say it? I legitimately don't know who she is, so. It's Quoco. Quoco. How do you spell her last name? C-U-Quoco. <laughs> See you, I don't Quoco. think it's Coco. It, I saw her on um on uh like Conan one night. Now that I corrected you, I'm afraid to say it and mess it up, but I know it's not Cacao. She's not like eighty percent. No, Kakao. it's Quoco. <laughs> it also doesn't matter. Quoco. Are you thinking of Conan O'Brien being Coco? No. Maybe he's thinking of Glenn Coco. You know what? I will oh, find Glenn the Coco? audio and I will play it. Sure. We don't know how to say it. There we go for it. I've like this is literally the only thing I've ever seen her in. I looked up her IMDb and I was like, I don't know how this person who's been on TV and doing stuff for twenty years. I've like I'm not trying to be like whatever. Like I just haven't seen her. You in didn't anything. watch Eight Simple Rules? No, I think I watched like I mean I may probably watched a few minutes of it when it was on. I never watched it. Watched it though. I love John Ritter. I love Katie Segal, but I never like watched the show. I'm surprised you didn't watch that one. Yeah, it seems like that's why I said I added it to my list of shows to do because it seems like one we'd like and probably one I'd keep watching. Please welcome back to the show, Kaylee Quoco, everybody. Quoco, Quoco, I was right. Quoco, Quoco, not not cacao, not cacao. If I ever meet her, I'm going to say I'm your biggest fan, Mrs. Cacao, <laughs> and she's going to mace me. You're going to go cacao right in the kisser. So, anyways, I think this is a very important part of the episode right here because I think this is the most that you find you really know Sheldon's character is through this part where the chair. Penny's sitting where he likes to sit, and he's very uneasy about that because that's where he sits. And she's like, so sit next to me. And she's being almost a little flirty at the time. And he, and he looks at her and he goes, no, I sit there. She's like, well, what's the difference? He goes, what's the difference? And then he gets into all these specifics, right? Like, so that specific spot hits certain temperatures, right? On a, on a cold day, it's, it there's warms him up. Breeze, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's all these different reasons. This is a big, big thing with this show. Yeah, you don't sit in Sheldon's spot. So he's like a boring nerd Archie Bunker? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, so she offers to move, and Leonard's like, just sit somewhere else. And he does this, like, he's very uneasy, and I think he has a pretty good amount of physical comedy there. And he's not bumbling around and tripping, but just his nerves trying to find a spot where he could sit that's not his normal spot, and how uneasy he was with it. I thought he did a pretty good job with that. Yeah, he's a pretty good actor. No, he's good in this, yeah. But my favorite is when she does get up, how fast he springs oh, yeah, over he and takes right over. Yeah, that later. was the second laugh I got. Yeah, it was like, good on him. But like, everybody does that, right? Like, I mean, I if I have company over, I don't care if they're in my spot that I sit in most of the time. Yeah, everyone like has their own spot in their home. But yeah, you don't think of it that way. Like, I'm not committed to it. Like, I need to sit in it. It's like it's like having like a, the side of the bed you sleep on. Yeah, it's just like when, because when you have friends over, it's a different situation, right? It's a different amount of people using those spots. So it's all, everything's different. And that's, I don't know. It doesn't yeah, register like, my mind. Yeah, you want. Way. But if I'm watching TV alone, 
I sit here. Yeah. I like during, they're having like this kind of, a little bit of small talk as they're eating now, and it's just Sheldon has no social cues, so if he hears something that's like incorrect or factually wrong, he has to speak up. So Leonard's saying, oh, we don't have company over very often, and he's like, that's not true. (laughs) So uh, and they get into how on Tuesday nights they play Klingon Boggle. To which everybody has to say the one word we all know in Klingon, right? Narvach. Narvach. Thank you. Which, did we ever fact check that? Did the Simpsons lie to us? Is that actually loneliness? I would have to know how to spell it to fact check it. I have no idea. You you can get a little Google because you do Simpsons, Klingon, and that'll pop up. You can probably pop that into something. She's like, wait, Klingon boggle? And it's like, yeah, it's like regular boggle, but in Klingon. And uh, that's probably enough about us. He asked for her to say some stuff about her. And she starts with, um, well, okay, I'm Sagittarius, which is probably, you know, tells you way more than you need to know. <laughs> Sheldon's like, yeah, it tells us, tells us that you participate in the mass cultural delusion that the sun's apparent position and the time of your birth somehow affects your personality. I don't believe in any of that stuff, but I'm surrounded by people who do, so I'm going to take a, take a mulligan on this one and not comment on it. Well, I will, because I don't believe in any of that stuff, and I thought that was, I thought that was the most relatable thing he said. For someone who has, like, no, right? like, he's so socially awkward. I just felt like for something like that, for him to just like stand his ground and be like, this, this means nothing. Um, I, I was like, yeah, you go Sheldon. Yeah. I'm never like, you know, because I'm a Capricorn, this makes sense that I'm X, Y, and Z. It's just like, no, that's how people are. I'm a virgin. Anyways. What? <laughs> what? Virgo. Virgo the virgin. That's what it is. <laughs> you could have just said I'm a Virgo. But now we have a great sound clip. Yeah, we get that now. <laughs> Virgo the Carpathian. I'm a, I'm a good God fearing man. Uh, so according to, can we talk back about Klingons again? Can I roll that back slightly? Sure. Please, yeah. According to deleted from R the Simpsons, quote, fun fact time. By the way, you mean, you know, that deleted means they just deleted their account. Their account. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. The closest equivalent to Gardak would be the phrase Jlomku, pronounced <laughs> J G Mob. Cool, which means I'm so alone. Comic book <laughs> guys, Gardak is gibberish. Saying I am so, not I am, especially I am, like no contraction. Saying I am so alone is maybe the most depressing phrase in the entire universe. So I love that that full phrase is a Klingon phrase. It makes way too much sense. Because you're like, I'm having a bad day. I'm sad. I'm alone. Blah, blah, blah. I am so alone is like, that cuts to the bone. That is dark. It is. I always find it so impressive, though, in like TV shows and movies. Like, they, they didn't just like make a couple words. They invent a whole language for their show. That's amazing. There are like people who study that shit. I'm sure there are college classes and like, oh, yeah. Accredited a place where you can like learn Klingon. I don't know if it's the same place in Boston that was like guaranteed Swahili. We teach 500 languages. To pivot a little, uh, but stay on the Star Trek, didn't William Shatner, isn't he one of those guys who, like... Esperanto. Yeah, Esperanto, he, like, he knows how to speak it and, like, was gonna, like, do a whole movie in it, or did a movie in it, yeah. He also works with, um, with, um, what's her name on those Expedia commercials? I'm not gonna try to say her name Kelly after that Quoka. whole conversation, because I already Kelly forget. Kelly Quokwau? But they're, they're all, they're on the Expedia commercials together, so full circle. Oh, Miss Cacao. But, uh, I think we talked about this before, too, but I signed up for all the Esperanto courses and everything when I was, like, I don't know. Why? Because it was, like, I was, like, 20 and drunk. Okay. And then for years, 
I would get stuff in the mail because there's like a national organization of Esperanto speakers. I would love to speak it, but it's a very specific thing that you gain nothing out of. So it seems like a lot of work to learn it, you know? It'll Yeah, it'll be useful never. Yeah, like I love the idea of it, like a language that everybody in the world can speak so they can communicate with each other. That's a fucking genius idea. But the world is the world and that'll never happen. Yeah, you need literally, first off, the whole world has to get along, which won't happen. Yeah, we'll never have that. Then you have to, like, I can't convince, not convince, I can't teach my dad how to use a cell phone. I'm not going to be able to teach him a new language. You're not going to be like, this is a new way to say fucking car wash or whatever. Like, no one's going to give a shit. Like, no one's going to make the effort. Yeah. I've been trying to learn a second language. And once you get past a certain point, it's, it's harder. Like, you, you have to get it, like, when you're a kid. Yeah. You have to use it too. Like yep. it's true. If you don't use it, you lose it. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you speak Spanish for your entire life and then you move someplace and you don't speak it for 10 years, you're going to lose a big ton of a big bunch of it. You know what I mean? Like I know people in different countries who were like, I know English because I speak it daily. If I, if they didn't, they wouldn't. You know what I mean? That's why I don't remember stuff from high school. You'd be surprised how much you subconsciously re- retain. I terrible in Spanish. And when we went to Punta Cana, I was talking to a lot of people in Spanish and I was surprising myself. Like, but again, to some immersion though, like you hear it and you're there. I think that like eases your brain to remember it. You know what I mean? I think immersions like and using it helps. Yeah. I was going to say my wife is Polish and she said that after 20 years here in America, she's finally, it's almost switching. It took her literally 20 years to now she thinks more in English. I was just a. I was just gonna ask you to ask her. Does she think it in in Polish? Like I always wonder if people yeah second most... language. Like... It's still her native language, but because she uses it so rarely, she has to like it's think of the words almost. Yeah. Now because it doesn't get used as often. But I'm sure when you guys go to Poland, she falls right back into it, right? Yeah, she does. Yeah, she does. Um, it takes a while, but. You know, I mean, it, she picks it right back up once she's in it. But when she, you could tell when she's talking to her mother, she's like, what's that word? What's this word in English? Yeah. As Penny's getting into more details about herself, she mentions that she's a vegetarian, except for fish and the occasional steak. And goes, I love steak. That was um, maybe one, somehow one of the cornier lines of this whole episode. That, that seemed the most sitcom-y was for her to say that she's a vegetarian, but she has the occasional steak. I like steak. That that's the line. Like I just you said it made me audibly get like cringe just now. It, it happened when I watched it earlier today too. I'm just like that's such a bad line. <laughs> it's just so why be on the nose like that? Why just say oh I like steak? Like I I don't get that's like being being horny or that's being weird. Like it just seems like a waste of like it's like they're trying to push. I'm sorry. Why did your brain process that as being horny? I don't know. People are like I like steak. I don't know because I'm thinking of Deuce Piccolo. <laughs> it's like you <laughs> say steak, now you got me all excited. <laughs> Sexy steak time is always Deuce Bigelow time. And I missed Rob last week. And for that, I apologize. Go back and listen to Rob if you haven't yet. Um, Great episode. Sheldon replies by saying that it's interesting and Leonard can't process corn. Isn't that like everybody, though? That, that was my main thing. Who? No yeah. one can process corn. Show me the person that can process corn. Yeah, that's like that's the whole thing about corn is that no one can really process it. So it's kind of redundant. So then Leonard asks Penny, like, what do you do for work? So then she's like, yeah, I'm a waitress at the Cheesecake Factory. Leonard's like, oh, I love cheesecake. Sheldon's like, you're lactose intolerant. I don't eat it. I just think it's a good idea. This, this gave me a laugh. 
That that is always funny. I did write this one separately too, because outside of that, that's one of those great like take this line out of context lines, and it's funny. Cheesecake Factory, great cheesecake for sure. I've only ever been there once, and I ended up getting very, very drunk with my boss, who was buying me drinks all night. And at this point, I was not making very much money, and I was like, well, let me buy you a drink before we head out of here. And he was like, oh, okay, and bought, like, a fucking $60 glass of bourbon. I was like, how fucking dare you do that to me? I kept like, being like, more Jim Beam, please. And he was like, oh, I'll take uh, the one you don't even have on the top shelf. It's in a cabinet somewhere. It's like, God fucking damn it. You know what I make. You're my boss. Uh, yeah, and, and the one thing about the Cheesecake Factory, too. Um, I don't mind the food there. I think it's pretty good, but having watched enough Gordon Ramsay, I'd say the, uh, the menu way too long. They had to cut that menu way down. It's like a book. Good size helpings though. Yeah. So Penny also mentioned she's writing a screenplay. It's about a sensitive girl who comes to LA from Lincoln, Nebraska to be an actress and winds up a waitress at the cheesecake factory. Oh, so it's based on your life. It's like, no, I'm from Omaha. That I think maybe the one, the it's a very obvious joke. Oh, Omaha, home of Omaha Steaks. I was just going to say, you guys know it's yeah. from Omaha, right? Steaks <laughs> from Omaha. Don't forget to put it in code S1E1 at OmahaSteaks.com. Yeah, uh, I'm not ready to give up yet, but there's going to be a turning point where I'm going to start getting real mean. I like the idea that our code isn't for anything good, though. It's just those, like, apple turnover nibbles or whatever. <laughs> you know, people you know, you love those. Real. Sure, but you wouldn't just order them. <laughs> They're like, it's all like you I get. said people, not me, because I don't like those. I mean, I've never had one. I can't eat any of that stuff, but... I'll take some burgers. I'll take a steak. I eat a burger Omaha. or a steak any day, weirdly. No, I, I'm not over it any day. Once in a while, it depends on my mood, but... I could eat a burger every single day for my only meal and be totally fine. I, I'd be happy with either. This is also when we find out that Penny is the victim of a recent breakup, because she, as she's describing herself, just starts breaking down and crying and mentions that she fell in love with a jerk and that they lived together for four years, and she's like... That's that's like as long as high school. And Sheldon goes, it took you four years to get through high school? And I don't know, I found that line really funny. His his delivery of that, I thought was really good. His delivery of it was good. But we definitely know people who've taken either way longer in high school or didn't finish high school. But I don't think we know anybody who's, like, none of our group has Not ever been, our group. like, yeah. smart enough to be out in two years. Yeah, I'll say, um, to in just thinking about his delivery, Jim Parsons, I would say out of everyone on this episode alone for episode one, probably knew his character the best, you know, like really was kind of honed in. And I know, you know, you say the character changes, but he, he has a, yeah, he plays this role very well and seems very confident in what he's doing at all times. It's base. I don't know if you've ever seen interviews with him, like outside, like not in character, but he's basically this character. He also got to be the human version of Walter and the Muppets. Am I a man? <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because one of the other creators of this show was the creator of the Muppets office type TV show that we covered uh, earlier. Oh, uh, Bill Prady, I believe is his name. I wonder if that's how that ended up happening. Could very well be. Yeah, because that could have been after this. It was after this for sure. Yeah, that was the uh, show that gave us the Fozzie Bear <laughs> bear joke. I no love that show. That was actually a really fun episode to do looking back. And now that we're at 75 episodes. Because that was probably first 15, right? First 10, maybe? That's our no, first rated no. R episode. Oh, it's for sure our first rated R episode. We just lost our minds on that one. The episode Ferg didn't even want us to post at one point. <laughs> he was so upset with it. He thought the Muppet community was going to come after us. <laughs> I did. Fuzzy wigs. So, so as Penny's like having this little breakdown and kind of going over how much of a mess her life is right now, 
she mentions that her shower doesn't work. Like that somehow naturally comes up. And Leonard's like, well, our shower works. She goes, really? Would it be weird if I used it? And Sheldon goes, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it it turns into, yeah, go ahead. You can use it. And, you know, she says, you know, they're very sweet. And she goes to head over towards it. You know what bothered me? It's not using their shower. It's using their towel. She could have went into her apartment and got her own damn towel. That's true. Like, and their products. Because she doesn't have, like, a loofah or anything. So is she using their bar of soap? Is she just using... The next scene is Leonard just sniffing it. Yeah, when you go to a hotel and there's, like, a bar of soap or whatever, or there's, like, the squeeze guy of, like, whatever body wash or whatever, but you don't have a loofah, so it's just a fucking nightmare. You just, like, slap it on you. You have to, like, try to, like, get it all off because there's no way of distributing it properly. You gotta, like, put it in your hands and you gotta kind of, like, lather it up with just your hands, you know? Right, but you never do it right because you're used to putting it on a loofah. You guys use body wash? Yeah. Not anymore. I used to. I'm back to a bar, but I was a body wash guy for a while. Oh, I'm a body wash loofah man. Same. Oh, I'm a I'm a bar of soap boy. You ain't getting everything off with a bar of soap. You need a loofah to scrub. Yeah, you gotta scrub all the dead skin and stuff off. Are you shoving the bar of soap into your butthole? I don't believe that your butthole is clean right now. Do you shove a loofah into your butthole? No, I don't feel like I have to because I feel like I can get in and around the area and it takes care of it. I'm no longer taking either side now. <laughs> <laughs> So you wipe yourself with a dirty skid mark loofah? First you get of all, up in my there? loofah would not be skid marked. Second of all, <laughs> no, I don't put it in my butthole. I say you get in no, the No, you round. don't put it in your butthole, but your butt crack has natural I'm not poopy. going to the I'm not going to shower with a dirty ass, first of all. <laughs> like don't you wipe when you take a shit? By proxy, anytime <laughs> you step into the shower, you get a dirty you get a dirty butthole. Yeah but, yeah, but I don't have a shit-covered asshole. I <laughs> oh wipe when I take a shit. Yeah, but there's always residual poop. Okay, guys. Okay, we gotta get right past this one. So <laughs> let us know on social nope, media nope, where you don't are hit us up this. about this at all. Do not yeah, hit Gordo us up about this. Fucking NFT at NFT.com. Let him know. So while she goes off, they're saying uh, Sheldon's like, it's been some time since we've had a woman take her clothes off in our apartment. And I like, it almost reads as if, like, any time that happens, it's for both of them. Like, it's not one-on-ones. But they're always, like, yeah, they're always having a, a joint sesh. And Leonard's like, that's not true. Remember at Thanksgiving, my grandmother at Alzheimer's had that episode? I was like, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark, and then they double down. Because then they're like, the worst part was her watch covering the turkey. We're like, oh, they, like, kept going on this joke. They triple down, because when, uh, Har- when uh, Wallowitz comes, because it's your grandmother here again when they say someone in the shop. No, I imagine uh, the, the, what I would have done if I wrote this was I would have made an allusion to one of the two friends sleeping with the grandmother. Like, that's the kind of way you that's the way you just really hit that joke home. But I assume they don't make reference to that later on in the show. Like Raj had sex with the grandmother. The conversation goes on to Sheldon being like, just so you know, like, she's not going to have sex with you. And Leonard's like, I'm not trying to have sex with her. He's like, oh, good. Then you won't be disappointed. Letters like, well, you don't think she'd have sex with me? Like, uh, he says, I'm a male. She's a female. It's like, yes, but not of the same species. And, you know, they're talking about that. And Leonard's like, he's like, well, you know, if something were to develop, I would take part, you know, if um, if she was interested. And then Sheldon thinks that if his chances are going to be any better due to the fact that he has uh, Luke Skywalker, no more tears shampoo in there. And Leonard's like, it's Darth Vader shampoo. Uh, <laughs> Luke Skywalker is the conditioner. If they don't make those, they should be, because I'm sure that's a gold mine. Actually, so I have some information on that. They do make Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader shampoos, but neither is a, available as a conditioner. Are they two-in-ones? 
Well, the conditioner must have been a special edition. Yeah, is the conditioner Leia? Like, what are we doing here? Is it a Wookiee? I know I've seen Star Wars like once. I'm just kind of batting names around here. I don't know much more. I, I listen. I had some details on the shampoo situation. You're gonna just have to take it from that. First of all, Wookiee <laughs> is a race. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Chewy. a hairy race. So it makes sense that they'd have shampoos and conditioners. Well, he would definitely need a loofah because if he's got as dirty as an asshole as Gordo does, that fur is not going to help it. No, listen, that's not the question that you ask when you think of Chewbacca, okay? <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> that was right I feel like you want me to ask what's the question you ask, and I'm yeah, not please. doing it. Yeah, he's waiting for it. What's the question you ask? Does he have a human-like dick or like one of those red rocket dog-like dicks? Oh, I thought this was like a joke with a setup. I didn't think this was a weird dog dick question. That question made me so uncomfortable, I got goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. There we go. We're we're a second away from the snort. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Called it. Ah, Called it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So in in any event, uh, there's a knock at the door, and then this is when Howard and Roz show up for the first time. That's like their two best friends. And they find out that there's, you know, a girl there. But that's after Howard very excitingly like, guys, you're not going to believe this. We have a tape of Stephen Hawking giving a lecture at MIT in 1974 and says that it's before he became a creepy computer voice. And the way he, I can't emulate it. He does like the, the lip babble. But throat and- <laughs> it's really funny. It's, it's a good voice. Really funny, yeah. This dude was an old school. He's in Van Wilder. Like he... He's a funny dude. Like, he is a good comedic actor. And I hadn't thought about Van Wilder in, I don't know, what movie, whatever, 20 years ago that movie came out. Man, Ryan Reynolds has really upped his fucking game, huh? Joe, isn't that why we call you Cannoli Joe? That's why, yeah. The one dog the cannoli? Infamous, That's why, yeah, yeah. One of the most infamous cannoli scenes <laughs> in movie history. That's a lot of dog jizz. I don't know if you can make that much dog jizz. Well, he did have big... I'm trying to remember. It's, again, it's been a while. His balls were huge, yeah. His balls were huge because he never ejaculated was the joke. Something like that. Yeah. Stephen, Stephen Hawkins is actually on the show a few times. So really? He's a about being made fun of. Well, that's nice. There's a bunch of, like, nerd people. Like, what you would consider popular in nerd culture, like William Shatner, uh, Leonard Nimoy, Stephen Will Wheaton, Hawking, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I was just about to ask if he had been on. I, yeah. I assumed he had been. Neil deGrasse, Junior High Tyson. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to overlook, though. Ferg said Will Wheaton. I love Will Wheaton. Yep. Will Wheaton is actually Shelton's, like, nemesis. Nemesis. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that he can make me laugh after Stand By Me, where he made me cry. He hates him because he no-showed an event, uh, a Comic-Con that he went to. Something that's happened to me. Oh, he plays himself in it. Yeah, yes. he's, he is Will oh, Wheaton. Oh, he's actually Will Wheaton? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's even funnier. All of these people are there. Play themselves. And Luke Skywalker, um, Mark Hamill is in it. I, I would prefer if he legit just played Luke Skywalker in the show. Like, those worlds are all canon. Again, it, it gets to the point. Like, you know how the league got ruined towards the end because they suddenly started meeting every football player known to man, yeah. like... And doing episodes that were full of cartoons and stuff, and you were like, you guys are... Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden, they're meeting every celebrity ever, and they're all playing themselves, and it's just like, what are the chances? Wasn't Stan Lee in it, too, yep. at one point? Stan Lee's in an episode. To be fair, though, you would give that guy, like, a bus pass, a free lunch, and directions, and he would show up fucking anywhere since 1981. You know oh, I mean? boy, like, Excelsior! He would be happy to be anywhere you wanted him to be. And, like, that's a great thing. It's not knocking him, but, like, it's not a huge get, you know what I mean? As long as you're not talking about the thing's dick. He does not like that. 
<laughs> what? As the four of them were all talking, they mentioned that there is a girl there, and that's the, oh, your grandmother's back in town? It's like, no, she's our new neighbor. And I was like, wait, there's actually a lady here? And you want us out because you're anticipating coitus? He's like, I'm not anticipating coitus. So she's available for coitus. Can we please stop saying coitus? I I did, fi- as a man who loves to, and I've said this before, refer to sex as fornicating, I do appreciate them going with coitus um, when they're talking about sex. It also lasts all series. They always say coitus? Yeah. Coitus interruptus. In, uh, like, last week, you know, for Rob, I'd said, like, I had issue with them overtly just saying, want to have sex all the time because it just feels so unnatural. But yet something as odd as them saying coitus comes off more like real dialogue. Like you feel like guys like that, that's how they would speak with one another. So I'm, I'm okay with it. That's true to character. I feel like that's believable that these guys would say, let's have coitus. I don't know. Do you have coitus? Do you say have coitus? Have, H-A-V-E. Do you have coitus or do you perform yeah, coitus? coitus? Is, well, coitus is sex because you're mid coitus. Okay, but I mean, in, in I guess it's not that important. He's asking the vernacular, like how yes. you use the term, like what you. Yeah, usually it's used coitus. as like it happened like post coitus or mid coitus or pre coitus. This is when Penny runs out as they're all talking, and she's now just has the towel wrapped around her. And I feel like it's a lot of shows do that, right? We're advertising that she is an attractive woman, although she's very covered. She's actually more covered in the towel than she was wearing the short shorts and like crop top earlier. She's as covered as the mom in um, a small wonder, small wonder when they come into the bedroom. But uh, yeah, she uh, she needs um, help getting the tub switch to shower mode. And this is when Howard sees her. And now he's trying to court her, and he's 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 very flirty. But he it's important to note that all these guys are extreme nerds. So even though he's the probably only one of the four that knows how to speak to a woman at all, she's not very into his advances. To which he says, bon douche, which is, although translated out of French, not awkward, does not seem the thing you say to a girl in a towel. Did anyone else see Howard and think that he's dressed basically like Joe with just a weirder haircut? No, Joe doesn't wear a dickie. That's true, but I do love a, I do love a dickie. That is a very, uh, they always sell them every year at Christmas, like you can get the Cousin Eddie dickie. <laughs> I kind of want to get one every year. So uh, Leonard offers to help her out. So, you know, we get to a scene where now the two of them are in his bathroom helping her switch from tub mode to shower mode. And, you know, she gets in there and he's about to walk out and she's like, hey, um, can I ask you a favor? And mind you, she's in the shower now, but, you know, the curtain's closed, which is a periodic table of elements curtain, by the way. And he's standing, he's very nervous because he knows she's like, you know, nude right behind this piece of plastic, you know, showering. He's like, a favor? Sure, yeah, you can ask me a favor. She's like, well, it's okay if you say no. He's like, oh, I'm probably not gonna. And she's like, it's probably not the kind of thing you ask a guy you just met. And he just is like, wow. <laughs> like, So he's, he's thinking something's gonna happen. You know, the next scene is now him and Sheldon in a car together. And apparently they're heading to her ex-boyfriend's house to get her TV back. I was kind of surprised by the smash cut here. It was weird. It looked like um, watching it looked like they faded to that was probably the, where the commercial break would have been. So it faded out and it cut back into that next scene. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if the scene was longer and she asked them while he was in the bathroom and they're like, it'll be funner if we just cut to the next part and you see them in the car. I think it's fun to have that be the reveal, but it faded out and then it was a hard cut back in. So my yeah. guess was that was a commercial break. Most likely. I also found it weird that Sheldon went with him because that's kind of out of character. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, they're still learning, right? It's the pilot, so they yeah. don't really know like what he would or wouldn't do completely yet. The reveal is through the dialogue. That's how we find out where he's going and why. You know, Sheldon kind of called him out on it. It's like, oh, you know, this woman stands naked in our shower, and now we're driving halfway across town to retrieve a television set. Leonard's defending it as if, you know, he would almost do this for anyone, which is obviously not the case. And Sheldon accuses him of thinking with his penis. He says, that's a biological impossibility. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. As he, as Leonard calls him out on that line, it feels more like the flip, right? Because Sheldon's more literal. So you would have thought that it would be the reverse. Like, sorry, I'm thinking with my penis. And Sheldon going, you can't do that. Yeah, it's like a trading place of the scene. Yeah. Uh, this is also where he said, they just have an argument about their ex-girlfriends or whatever and one of them defected to north korea which i thought was like a really weird interesting little plot point to throw in there yes uh joyce kim joyce she comes back later too oh nice they really planted a lot of seeds in this first one huh also darlene's in in a a bunch of episodes as well oh no do they pit they they put them together like they they date for a little while oh Oh, nice that's good too because that happened before like they brought back Uh, you know roseanne and stuff so yeah so, like, it, you would have, at that time, thought that was maybe the only opportunity you would have had to have those two together. I think just about everyone from Roseanne is on the show at one point. Oh, well, that's, well, I guess that all makes like sense. Like, Sheldon's yeah. mother is Aunt Jackie. Oh, oh that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's good. We cut back to the apartment, and now it's just Penny with Raj and Howard. So, in this scene, they cut into Howard and Raj, and Howard is holding juice boxes, and I got furious about this. Why? Because why would you buy juice boxes? You're an adult and you know what you can dole out for amounts of volume of liquid. Like, it's such a, it's such a, I got mad at this because it's a writing thing to be like, aren't they such nerds? They have juice boxes. It's like, well, they also pay rent and they also take showers and they also are shaving and they could just buy a bottle of juice and pour a glass of it when they want to. The idea of having a juice box is such a pushing too hard joke to me you don't see it a lot but i guess you could make the argument that they pack their lunches for work or whatever and they bring juice like any other travel thing you could have a drink with you they're 28 years old on the way to work you can grab a drink you can grab a coffee you probably vending machines so this bought this bothered you but him having kid shampoo with star wars characters didn't bother you it's they're big man babies because I mean, like, I get it, right? We've all bought dumb things that were, like, the kid version of something because we like the character. Like, how many weird Batman things do I own that I don't either use or need because they're, like, the Batman version? Like, at least I can let that slide, but I don't know. But I'm at the grocery store a lot. I never see adults with juice boxes unless they have kids with them. Otherwise, it's suspect. The notebook that I do all my notes in. uh, Just a Batman notebook. Perfect. What if it's delicious Yoo-Hoo juice boxes? I'm more of an Esquick guy, to be honest with you. Stop it. Yoo-Hoo is the way to go. Um, and you got to remember, too, that it's 2007, so by now, they can't just buy a nice pack of Boku juice boxes for adults. So, Richard Lewis was so ahead of the curve. Oh, it's a juice box for adults. Adults drink them. We, we will get to visit him again, right, if we cover Hiller and Diller, right? Was that was he in that one? <laughs> oh, and also, uh, is it Nice Guys? There's the sitcom with Louis Anderson and Richard Lewis. Well, uh, yeah, so one of these days, yeah, you guys will nice get some more. Guys. Yeah. Show me down now. If we cover a show with Richard Lewis, we'll see if we can find any Boku on eBay and uh, drink some 30 year old juice. Look, I have the worst stomach out of any of us here. Me doing something like that is like agreeing to myself on the shelf for days, possibly in the hospital. If we can get sealed Bokus, <laughs> I am first in line to drink a Boku. 
it oh i'm gonna put a boku with maybe a little bit of whiskey and some ice cubes and i'm gonna do the second part of the episode from the hospital bed i will a thousand percent end up in it might have naturally fermented that's true it should be wine at this point yeah it was like 1992 yeah it's, it's good vintage i don't know how that works if it's sealed like completely I don't, process, honestly i'm not sure i'm not sure how it all works about it, something yeah. about the way sugar and enzymes but moving on, the only other thing I think we need to note about that scene other than the juice boxes is this is when we find out that Raj is like afraid to speak in front of a woman. So he's pretty much silent the entire episode because of it. Good for him. That's probably the best payday this dude ever got, right? It's like, hey, just sit here for a whole day. Don't say anything. And we'll give you union scale. It's like, fuck, sure. That's something they keep up until they don't. Like <laughs> one day he just can talk to women, but it's like. He just gives up on that whole thing. It's like two seasons in though. He like. I believe, like, he goes on a medication that, like, for his anxiety or something like that, or, like, a trial, like, medication. To make, uh, I don't even remember. Yeah, or or Penny helps him or something like that. Well, if it's a medication like that, if they if the producers let me know which one it is, so it wouldn't be one that I'm like, hey, kill me! <laughs> because that's what really taking anxiety medication does to you, and you're like, please make me take new ones. So to pivot from there... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're now outside of Penny's old apartment building and this is when um the two of them are trying to get in because they're trying to retrieve this TV and I did like the gag where they can't figure out how to get in until like two Girl Scouts walk up essentially and just hit the um every button in a row it, like down the whole line of um apartments to get buzzed in and that's something we've all done as kids right? Oh for I sure. I mean they actually needed to get in because they're trying to sell cookies but we just did that because we we're pieces of shit. Did this to anybody else also trigger Goodfellas? Because this is another one of those things Kelsey and I say all the time to each other. You know, when she goes to the apartment building of Henry's uh, girlfriend and is just hitting every button and she's like, there's a whore living in your building. There's a whore. Jet Ross, he's a whore. It's like my favorite scene in all of Goodfellas. Well, Joe, no, my brain did not go there. <laughs> <laughs> whenever i walk by and see one of those i'm like if i hit every button and say janet rossi and like 3c is a whore and she's living in your building will one person get it and not be bothered by it i think if i'm thinking about it as anything where someone got buzzed in i think um happy gilmore that early scene of happy gilmore comes to mind i'm gonna kiss you all over <laughs> over again you know want breakfast <laughs> <laughs> man is their way in because after the Girl Scouts get in, they sneak in while the door is already open. And you see them outside of the door where Penny used to live or, you know, her shared apartment with her ex-boyfriend. And they knock on the door and Leonard says he'll do the talking. Sheldon's like, good thinking, I'll be the muscle. And then the door opens and the man who Penny used to date is a gigantic, very, very muscular man. But did he look too old? He looked very, like, he didn't look like he would be with Penny. He looked like his hair was spray painted. I mean, he definitely looked like he looked like a like like handsome Squidward. <laughs> oh, so Squidward. So he's 44 now. How old would he have been then? That was 15 years ago. So what, 22? Really? That's the big the big giant guy. 30. I already have him up on my screen because um he looked familiar, and I was trying to see if he was like an MMA guy or a wrestler, but yeah. he's not in anything notable. He was like big in Teen Wolf, I think, when I looked him up. The TV show, not the funny movie. I was going to say, no, he was not. <laughs> he did not run away with Boof like the movie would. <laughs> Everyone fell in love with Boof. Yeah, and, and it was only a quick dialogue between them. It's like, how do you guys get in the building? And Leonard just goes, oh, we're scientists. It was another really, really awkward delivery 
but I get that's his character. This right here to me was the difference between like how fucking cool Bill Murray is and how nerdy these guys are. Because there's that scene in uh, Ghostbusters where he's like, are you Alice menstruating right now? And the guy's like, what does that have to do with it? And Bill Murray looks at the guy and goes, back off, man. I'm a scientist. And they're like, whoa, yeah, shit, okay. But these guys are like, I'm a scientist! It's like, oh, (laughs) fuck you, you get the shit beat out of you and get your pants taken off like a comic book nerd. But no, this this line made me laugh because it was a callback to when they were outside and... He's like, how are you going to get in before the the button part? Yeah, they talked about their IQ. He talked about his IQ, but his way to get in is he pulls on the door really hard, and it just doesn't work. At least that building has good security. I don't know. I think if someone with any muscle pulled that th- those prop doors, that would have ripped open because he was pulling it, and they were going. It's so obviously a set where like you can see the seams of every part of that building facade moving because it's so obviously just a fucking set. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, from there, though, it transitions to the conversation gets cut there. They don't show you anymore. And then you just see the two walking back outside of the apartment building. And now both of their pants have been removed. You know, Joe, you mentioned earlier, they, they get pantsed and it just seems so weird. Like I, I get the joke and you want the visual gag of them walking around in their underwear, but just the thought of they knock on this dude's house and the guy's like, give me your pants. And just like strips them of their pants. And- he would just be like, Oh, you've seen my girlfriend naked and beat the shit out of them. He wouldn't be like, Give me your pants. This will be funny. He isn't. These shows love showing jokes that have no payoff. Would you take someone's pants knowing that maybe later they'd be embarrassed? These characters would want the payoff of like seeing the embarrassment. You take their underwear too. Then you can assume that they're going to have embarrassment. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got extreme uh, Revenge of the Nerds vibes from this scene. Yes. That dude was basically just ogre. When they're leaving the Alpha Beta house in their underwear after their uh, the hazing that they don't actually get into. It's like, remind me of that part so much. And there's two of them. What did like one of them wait patiently while the other one was getting pants until it was his turn to get pants? <laughs> That's the bullshit too. Like, look, you cannot be tough, but there's not, you fight for your friends. Like these guys are best friends. You at least put up some sort of struggle. The fact that not one hair is out of place on either of these dudes, I find unrealistic because even if it's your friend or even if you're a nerd, rather, whatever, if your friend's getting beaten up in pants and like, you wait here, you're next. Somebody's going to try to struggle. I don't believe that both of them would just sit there and take it. I'm thinking that, you know, they were big nerds in school. They got picked on. They're used to this. They know the things. He probably was like, take off your pants. Here's the drill. Yeah. Yeah, But they don't have their wallets in hand either. Like, that's like if you get mugged and you're like, can I take my ID? Like, I don't care about replacing my debit card or whatever. But like, it's a huge hassle to go to the RMV. And the guy being like, now I get that. That makes sense. Even later, when he like apologizes by putting him through it, Sheldon goes, it's not the first time I've been pantsed. Right, and I get that, but it just seems insane that you wouldn't have one person fight back. You wouldn't just sit there and wait. I was expecting a swirly. Ooh, swirly. Like, if you're gonna go nerd, go nerd. No, but if it was a swirly, he'd have to let them in the apartment, and they could have grabbed the TV and ran. So from there, you know, we get to that next scene where, you know, you just talked about how they're they're speaking. They're back in the their apartment building and going up the, the steps again, because, again, the elevator is not working. As they're going up, Sheldon does, he mentions it wasn't his first pantsing. And says it won't be his last. Leonard admits, like, you know, you were right about my motives. I was hoping to establish a relationship with Penny and that, you know, it may one day lead to sex. Sheldon goes, well, you got me out of my pants, which doesn't seem (laughs) like it. It's a funny line, but it doesn't make sense for Sheldon to have like a witty one-liner like that. But I think that's his best line in the whole episode because of it, because he actually steps inside himself for a second. Because that's the only time, though, he doesn't feel like Sheldon, though, when he's talking. That's my only thing with that line. And Leonard says, you know what? 
she's out of my league. I've learned, like, I'm just going to get back to work, and one day I'll win a Nobel Prize, and I'll die alone. And Sheldon's like, you're not going to die alone. <laughs> and they also like, and you're not going to win a Nobel Prize either. But Sheldon does. Oh, does he? Later on? In the end. So now, uh, and then that scene cuts to back in, inside the apartment before they get in. And you see Howard showing Penny this video game he's playing. And I meant to ask you guys, is this a real game? Yeah, it's World of Warcraft. Yeah, it's World of Warcraft. Okay. I had no idea either, Jay. I'm so glad you guys were able to answer that, and I'm so glad I didn't know the answer to that. I have never played Warcraft in my life. I just know what it looks like. Sure. I no, played. That's, that's one I escaped, luckily, thankfully. I played for a little bit. We, <laughs> we, we, we've lost friends to Warcraft. We, we have. I don't know how much yeah. that is. Yeah, we've yeah, a lot of lost people yeah, to it. People disappear crazy. playing that game. During this, Howard saying to Penny, like, hey, listen, you know, if you're interested, like, why don't you create a character too? And then we could, you know, I'll play the game together sometime. And she's like, uh, it sounds interesting. And he's like, so you'll think about it? And she's like, oh, I don't think I'll be able to stop thinking about it. And it was, that was another time where I felt that she showed other personality. Yeah. Cause she was so bubbly and polite and nice all the time. And that was kind of like, uh, that was the time when she comes off now as the hot girl talking to the nerd. You know what so I mean? Here's what I think about that though. She's bubbly and nice because she knows Shel- um, Sheldon and Leonard are being nice to her, but she knows his motives are like, he's a creep and he's supposed to be a creep the whole time. And she's, she's she's the one expecting coitus. Yeah. Yes. You never expect coitus. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It just seemed like a big character flip for her to, to say that like that to him, but I get it. And, you, and your point makes sense. Now we have Sheldon and Leonard show back up in their apartment, obviously not wearing the pants. And it's explained what happened and she apologizes and thought that, you know, maybe if they went instead of her, then, you know, he wouldn't be such a jerk as a, you know, way of amends. She offers to buy them dinner. That was the, you know, cause what else can she do? She feels very guilty in this moment because of, you know, what happened with her ex-boyfriend. She put them in the position. I wonder how much time passed. Cause they just ate like a few minutes ago in our world. Cause from what we've seen. But now she's going to take them to dinner. So it must be a lot longer. I was thinking that too. I was like, didn't they just finish eating? Isn't that why Howard and um, Raj came over? Well, it's dark by the time they're in the car. So we know. Yeah, they, yeah, they went on a trip. They went to the dude's house, came back. So like time's passed. Yeah, because it was light, still daytime when they go to the guy's house, Eric or whatever's house. But by the time they're in the car going for dinner, it's dark out. And what I thought was interesting too is um, like that scene that follows, because as she leaves, there's like the shot of the two of them looking across the hall at her as she's leaving. And this is Sheldon saying, Oh, you're not done with her. Are you? And Leonard's like, our babies will be smart and beautiful. Sheldon goes, not to mention imaginary, <laughs> but it was just, laugh. um, I, yeah, I, I thought that was funny too. I just thought again, Sheldon at this stage of the episode is not being as Sheldon. Like he's just picking up on his friend's feelings, you know, where usually he seems a little more yeah. detached from feelings and he's picking up on cues right now that, I, from my limited knowledge of watching him in this episode, feel like he wouldn't have he wouldn't have understood to catch that. So I don't know. Yeah, but like we said before, it's the pilot is still trying to figure everything out with him. We get to our like last scene, and they're all in Leonard's car, and Leonard's asking if um Penny's okay with some Thai food. And I, I do want to say this shot in we had the car shot earlier, but because of the five of them and it being nighttime, it just looks like Wayne's World to me. <laughs> I was I was ready for the Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. scene to come at any moment. I also got a that '70s show vibe. Oh yeah, I'll give you that too. Yeah, yeah. 
I think both of those are like pretty equal, actually. If you put them both in a blender, this is exactly what you'd get. I I lean towards that 70s show because there's five or six of them in the car. They do the six. I think they the three they do the three and three. Wayne's World, it's the five. There's two in the front and three in the back. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're right. You're right. Phil, you're partied out again, man. If you're gonna spew, spew <laughs> into this. As they're in the car and they're discussing the food, like I said, he asks about Thai food. Sheldon's like, we can't have Thai food. We had Indian for lunch. And Penny's like, so? Well, they're both curry-based cuisines. So? And then he said they'd be gastronomically redundant. And he goes, I can't see why we have to spell everything out to this girl. So it's like, it's funny because, you know, she's simplifying it. Like, who cares? But to him, there's like, there's a very specific reason. Like, you can't have two like likened dishes within the same day. And she's just more go with the flow. Who cares? You know, if it's good food, it's good food. But to him, he can't get, they're on such different pages that he doesn't understand her point. He thinks she just doesn't understand his. This is also very much Simpsons. I don't like the idea of Millhouse having two spaghetti meals in one day. It's like immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Howard has an idea for a restaurant and says, you know, take this turn here. He knows of this like wonderful little sushi bar that also has karaoke. And she's like, oh, that sounds fun. And he starts singing, um, baby, don't get hooked on me by Mac Davis. I can't say I'm overly familiar with that song. I don't know that song, but I, I love that part because they, none of them really react. <laughs> it, just, it really made me laugh a lot. Mac Davis is a schmaltzy 70s singer. He was in a movie called Cheaper to Keeper. Uh, he's in the sequel to uh, The Sting. He like, turned more of an actor later on, but he's also famous for singing uh, at the Ronald Reagan inauguration in 1985. Was the sequel to The Sting called Stung? It was not. And it wasn't called Stinging either. So they really fucked up all over the place. Uh, also, the thought of a sushi bar that's also doing karaoke, I'd prefer to not hear people doing their bad karaoke songs while I'm eating sushi. If I'm drinking and hanging out, sure, but... You could have just you could have just ended it with, I prefer to not hear people sing their horrible karaoke. And- yeah, I think I'm okay with that too, yeah. <laughs> I'm not well, Some people love karaoke, I don't love it. Uh, I've done it very few times. I love in it. the right situation. In the right situation, it can be fun, but I I don't seek out karaoke. No, I know, I know I have friends who do, and I, I know they love it. I just like I've done it a few times as well. I'm never like the next day. I'm never like you know. It'd be great if we did that again. Do you have a go to karaoke song? Any of you? Need a few drinks in me. I'll do some karaoke. Um, what would be the first song you'd pick? One by myself, the Humpty Dance. Yes. Oh yeah, Humpty Dance is a good one, Ferg. Uh, one time, I think on my 21st birthday, we went to a karaoke bar and I did, for some reason, they had Too Drunk to Fuck by the Dead Kennedys in the karaoke book. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll do that. And afterwards, people around were just like, what the fuck was that? And the bartender was like, I'm buying you a drink. I don't know what the fuck just happened. I was like, okay, thank you. But I also like doing I Was Made for Loving You, Baby by Kiss, but never alone. Ooh, that one's a good one. Gordo, what's your song? Oh, I know your song. I do Country Grammar by Nelly. By Nelly? Yep. Great album. I've also I seen was... you do meatloaf in clearer room before. <laughs> uh, oh yes, I've done that. I've also done Spice Girls and also cleared a room. I think like my go-to song, not that I've done a lot of karaoke, but I do um, "Let's Stay Together" by Al Green. That's that's the one I usually go to. That's an oddly sexy choice. Well, you gotta sexy up the room sometimes. Apparently, I did a suicide to to loop it back. Uh, me and two friends of ours of the show uh, did "Suicide Is Painless." the mash theme song at a karaoke bar and needless to say that's not a night that's not a uh, song that you want to end the night on 
Also, it seems like a weird song to have three people singing on. <laughs> well, you know. By the end, there's only one. Well, uh, I want to get into the... There's only one line left in the episode, and this is because Howard's still singing that song. Because Sheldon, who's sitting along um, in the front with Leonard, I don't know what your odds are in this world as a whole, but as far as the population of this car goes, you're a veritable Mac Daddy. <laughs> that was funny. I like that that does lift up his spirits, because he does smile and get proud. He's like, yeah, you're the best option of what's going on in here, but... Again, it didn't feel like a Sheldon line, but hey, whatever. I guess I'm judging by knowing the character and not by watching just this episode. So I need to disconnect that a little bit. Yeah. You got to go pilot only. But yeah. That's the, uh, that's the entirety of the episode. And it only took us 50 hours to get through it. But guys, anything else about Big Bang Theory you guys want to cover? Um, again, I don't have a lot of information on it, but maybe for Gordo, you guys have seen a little bit more. Uh, with the scene, well, now that we can kind of jump ahead now that we're not in the uh pilot only mode um autopilot if you will when howard is showing the world of warcraft there is a whole scene in later episodes where he go he's basically like an online he runs like an online brothel or something along those lines and it is probably the hardest i've laughed at a television show in a long, long time. The whole delivery of that one scene kills me every time I see it. And it's a brothel for characters of World of Warcraft. Yes. Yeah. He's like, he's like the way that he delivers the lines and he's like certain realms of the internet. You don't, you don't, uh, uh, you know, whisper the words like Wallowitz or something. I forget the name of his character, but like he, he meets another nerd and they do the they 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 were boyfriend and girlfriend in World of Warcraft. Is it the other? Isn't the other nerd the comic book store? Yes, guy, the comic like book. Yes, the comic book guy. With all that being said, um, I don't know if there's much else to cover. We we really got into it. So if you guys want to get into the green letter cancel again, we're down one person. So I guess there's always a chance for a tie. If that's the case, and even if not the case, we we always put the results up on our Instagram. S1E1 pod. So make sure you go check out that. Give us a follow at S1E1 pod on Instagram. Um, and you will know the final votes if it ends up in a tie. But we put up clips every week um, from the episodes, videos, um, all types of stuff. So check out the Instagram again, S1E1 pod, and you'll, uh, you'll everything will be there. So uh, to get into the final judging here with Big Bang Theory, uh, Joe, starting with you. I did not love this show. I maybe got a couple laughs out of it, but this is the first time in a while I've written I hate this so many times in my notes. And the predictability of the nerd stuff, the fucking pantsing, and the, oh, it's a hot girl across the hall. I just can't. I'm sure it's better later on. I'm sure they figured out some stuff. It had to be somewhat likable for people to go fucking 10 years or whatever. I love Johnny Galecki. I love Sheldon. I think they're both very funny, but I just did not enjoy watching this episode. This is a rare moment for me, but this is not a green light. Yeah, he can't even say cancel. He could, he can only say not green light. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just, I don't like the cancel things. I just this yeah canceled. Gordo, this is a green light for me. It was funny and it was different. You can see that these characters, yeah, there's some minor flaws. Like if you look ahead, that they have. They're all pretty well fleshed out, and they have really good chemistry between them all. 
like you can tell that there's kind of something special with this cast that they that they have. I don't know. I thought it was enough to make me want to watch a second episode because I thought it was just there were parts of this that made me genuinely laugh. I enjoyed it. It's a green light for me. Ferg, I'm on the fence. I I don't know. I'm trying to not put too much of what I know in the future about this show and only base it on the pilot as we're supposed to do. Show got some laughs out of me. My problem with the show as time goes on is how like it more aims at laughing at more than laughing with, you know, a culture that I feel like I'm part of. Like Goto said, the characters are well fleshed out. I like them all. I got to know them all. And, you know, I did continue watching. And I liked it then. I, I enjoyed this enough. So I'm going to lean towards green light, but it's right on the line. <laughs> so yeah, green light from me. Yeah. So I'm like you, I'm, as I'm speaking, I'm still trying to f- give a final verdict in my head. I'm, I'm torn. I didn't love it. There were definitely a lot of cringy lines and I'm trying to separate myself because I know this isn't a show I, I genuinely like. I've seen, I've seen enough of it, you know, to know that like, it's just not for me. But I guess to like just watch this first episode, it wasn't so bad, and it wasn't as bad as I thought. What really bothered me the most was the amount of laugh track. That really, really bothered me as I was watching it. I could not take myself away from the laugh after every line. And there's a point where it's like, stop telling me when something's funny. If it's funny, I'll laugh. That being said, there were a couple lines that I thought were really funny, all basically from Jim Parsons. Pretty much everything I thought was funny, he said, which is funny because my knowledge of the show otherwise is he annoys me a great deal so it was weird to see that he gave me the most laughs out of this episode and i think i'm surprising myself right now but i think i'm gonna lean towards a green light just because i think they gave me enough that i'd be curious to see another episode so either way it lives on we'll see what nick says it it does yeah so never did i think there'd be a time where we all green light something and joe cancels i know and I'm I'm shocked that I greenlit it because I am too. I know I yeah. know the show enough to know that I don't really like it. But I thought this episode here is decent enough, and it gave me enough to be curious. It left me with enough to want to see where it goes. I'm not sold on it yet, but I think I need episode two to like put me over if I was going to keep watching or not. So with that being said, regardless of Nick's vote, still go to s1e1pod.com though. Uh, and, and follow us everywhere, but um, and still undefeated. Yeah, Ferg, Ferg who seventy five episodes in still doesn't quite understand that this is not a game. <laughs> There's no winning and losing here. <laughs> Sounds like something a loser would say. In any event, congratulations <laughs> to the Big Bang Theory. You will live on to see episode two with us. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Please go to s one e one pod dot com again. Leave. Reviews on Apple, subscribe everywhere, S21Pod on Twitter, Instagram. That stuff means a lot to us. We really do like interacting with you. We're seeing more and more of that, so continue on. Hit us up. I I really do my best to reply to everybody. So uh, get us on Instagram, Twitter if you want to talk to Gordo. That's it, guys. That's all the time we have this week. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being with us for 75 episodes. And if you're just coming in now, all those episodes are there. Go back and listen to shows that you like or shows you think might be interesting. But that's it. That's all the time we have for this week, guys. Thank you. Goodbye. We got the best pantsless, big baby, boring sitcom guy. Boo. Oh.
Who earns? 